Welcome everyone to We Have Issues, our weekly comic book podcast that opens the vault, feels the boom, weathers the aftershock, and marvels at every issue released this week. I'm your host, Keith, and I'm joined by my stalwart sidekick, who is always at my side, Josue. God, can we just get to the news? <laughs> this has been so heavy fucking heavy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, let's just move on. Okay, we'll talk about it. Um, so we got a little bit of comic news before we start about talking about the comics of this week. Let's just, let's just start where we should start. Uh, DC. Jesus Christ. Um, DC has announced that they have canceled the Batgirl movie. So as, well as, as well as the sequel to Scoob, which should not be lost in this conversation. Because, <laughs> no, and to be all seriousness, the easiest way to make money in the world is to make an animated movie about an existing property. You yeah. never lose money on those. So I, I, I saw, I watched Scoob. It was okay. It was an, e- an easy cash grab, so I was kind of dumb that they did cancel that too. Especially since it was already done. So DC is restructuring. I'm not going to get too much into it because we don't know all the details yet. We did get word today that HBO Max is going to combine with Discovery Plus, which was really funny because I saw a Snyder Snyder friendly account that you could probably guess because there's like three big ones um that said i've never even heard of discovery and i'm like that explains a lot like (laughs) (laughs) like i was like yeah that makes a lot of sense uh hbo also put out a very ill-advised graph to talk about what each product brings and how hbo max is male centric and discovery is female centric like disgusting uh so yeah bad bad dc the flash is still going and by that i mean the movie they canceled the show like there's no new like the fact that they haven't said anything about that movie any updates still like up in the air at this point but but this movie that is done we just haven't seen anything of it it's just gone it makes no fucking sense like yeah i was so ready like and it's it sucks because like the the counterpoint is a movie that's not even batman centric but for like the last like decade plus like it's like we really haven't had like a weird batman villain like like we're gonna get firefly and that was gonna be super fucking cool and just different from like all just like regular dudes with just like (laughs) slightly yeah and slightly kind of some powers um but we were probably gonna get a, a good weird one and then again with brandon fraser and it's, I, it sucks. Like I wasn't a huge advocate towards like the movie, but I was excited to fucking see it. It was going to be different. And now we just don't get to have it. Like what the fuck? I agree. One thing I do want to point out that I think is a very good example of things that we should keep an eye out for as fandoms in the future. I've talked a bit about criticizing stuff before it even, we even get a trailer or anything or before we even see the movie. Um, there's a lot of hate for that costume. And a lot of the people that were sh- talking shit on that costume are the same people who be like, how could you cancel Batgirl? Well, because if DC goes on and the only feedback they see is that the costume looks like shit, you know, there's a chance they're going to cancel. I'm not saying that's why they canceled it. I think we can all put together why they actually canceled this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're still getting Joker 2 with Lady Gaga. Dude. No matter they still put out like it's like yeah okay really sad that that that'll the that'll, day after <laughs> that'll put out the flames ridiculous absolutely ridiculous DC showing their true colors I've made that abundantly clear I've never trusted them so along with that some more DC news about it 
Um, DC has relaunched DC.com with some new features and content, including collectible items. Yay. <laughs> That's cool. I wish I wasn't so burned by this company that I wouldn't even want to go. Um, DC is also... Remember one Batman One Bad Day? Yes. I'm going to read this, this headline because I'm going to do a, tw- a tweet about this later on. <laughs> Batman One Bad Day will be the Riddler's killing joke. And my response is, thank you for the warning. <laughs> so, <laughs> like... I love the Riddler, but why the fuck would you do that? Don't why the that fuck comparison. would you do that? <laughs> like, like, there's so many like like all those like one bad day books like have like such ace teams, and it's just like uh, I'm not gonna fall for it. Yeah, he basically says uh, before the Killing Joke, Joker. It's Tom King, by the way. Uh, before that, the Joker was a fun character. He was funny. Uh, Neil Adams had redone him pretty well. Marshall Rogers had redone him pretty well. But but he wasn't what he became afterwards, a killer of the DCU. Can we do that to Riddler? I just, I, just, I just had a fucking stroke as I said that. Can we make him as important, as big, as frightening as the Joker is? Why do you want to? He's the fucking Riddler. <laughs> just let him be the fucking Riddler. Fucking goddamn. It's like when... When they remade Toy Man in Superman comics, and he was just this goofy dude originally who had these wacky toys, and they turned him into like a weird sexual serial killer type. No one fucking wanted that. No one wanted Toy Man to be that. I fucking hate. Um, I'm gonna go on a rant if I don't stop now. Like I don't want to be like anti. Just like keep going with being like anti DC, but like getting that news, and again, like it wasn't just like a huge advocate towards it, but at the same time, it kind of did feel like almost like a last straw thing like losing ava's uh new gods that was a big one that was a huge i, I still i still can't yep. forgive that one and now having this and even then even if it's just like a marketing scheme for them to just be like oh let's just like ha- like like push a, a new hashtag release the Batgirl uh cut whatever i'm like just at the verge of just like 2023 of just like just cutting tyler dc all together and maybe i could just incorporate that money towards other indie books because I just I would rather not be a part of these conversations on a constant basis. I'd rather just not care. I'd rather just watch a movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um there's not gonna be the same movement. And it was not their attempt to make a release the Batgirl thing because the release the Snyder Cut thing did not go well for them. Mm-hmm. Like they were they were shit talked the entire time and they're still shit talked even though they did give it to them. So <laughs> trying to duplicate that would be the stupidest thing Warner Rose could do. Um I should point out that one bad day is a series of one shots. Yeah. And they're going to focus on Riddler, two face, the penguin, Mr. Freeze, Catwoman, Bane, Clayface, and Rachel Ghoul. So there goes most of Batman's good characters. So great. Yeah. All, all the creative teams are like, have like, have like back ads to like each of them. Yeah. So, and, and it's like, they're good teams. Like two face with Mariko Tamaki. Like I, I get it. Like Mr. Freeze with Jerry Dugan and Mateo Scalera. is like, I can't just like ignore that book where it's just like, God, like stop just giving it all to Gotham. Like, please, please. Yeah. I, I just hate it. Cause it's obviously they're going to twist Riddler to be the Batman movie Riddler. Right. Oh yeah. I'm on record of hating. So I'm not fond right. of it either. Yeah. Uh, a couple more DC things. Um, 
Actually, we're going to talk about that later, so I'll skip that one. A last, last thing, a little bit of good news, actually. Um, Gotham Academy is coming back in a new oversized special. Ooh, okay. Fun fact. Me and Liz used to sit around and pitch things to each other, and I pitched Gotham Academy years before it came out. <laughs> nice. And I was so pissed when it came out, but I know it's an obvious easy one, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Batman in school, done. So, but I was like, how cool would that be? And then, yeah. Uh, so it's going to be called Saved by the Bell Reeve, which is a great pun, by the way. <laughs> um, yes. And yeah, I'm pretty excited about it. It looks really cool. Um, we do know that um, Becky Cloonan, Brendan Fletcher, and Carl Kershaw will be involved. Um, some of the art I see, let's see here. We got, um, it's also going to have a Suicide Squad backup story written by Tim Seeley with art by Scott Collins. So that's cool. Yeah, uh, but it's going to be like an oversized special with lots of different stuff. The main art, though, is going to be done by. Oh no, no, it's it's one of the variant covers is going to be done by Riley Rosmo, which is really cool. So I'm excited about that. At least DC did one thing right. So <laughs> next up, I teased us way earlier. I had a bit of George Jimenez or Jorge Jimenez That's right. news for him. Do you remember Nemesis from Mark Millar? <laughs> yeah. Mark Millar's nemesis is returning for a new series with Batman artist Jorge Jimenez. Ooh. It was the first one with Steve McNeven, right? I believe so, yeah. Oh, so is this going to be finally going to be number two? <laughs> it's a follow-up series in January 2023. <laughs> um, I liked Nemesis. I thought it was a cool idea. Um, that was before I was really aware of the Mark Millar of it all. Yeah. Um, so, and yeah, it was Steve McNiven. You're right. Um, it's interesting. I'm very curious to see what that's going to be like. Um, it was originally published by Icon, which mm-hmm. was a subsidiary of Marvel. Right. Um, I don't see it. It, I, it looks like it's just coming from Miller world. I mean, he's had Miller world since then. So I'm pretty sure that's all. That's all where anything comes from him from, from him. Yeah, I don't see any like, like assisted publications or anything. I guess Marvel was fine giving up the rights. So, yeah, but, but that's interesting. Yeah, that was a brutal book. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure they're okay with that one. <laughs> Some news that dropped right when we recorded last week: um, Marvel's two Captain America heroes will reunite for a Cold War crossover event, launching in 2023. <laughs> Looks so fucking awesome. Yes. Uh, it's going to deal with everything we're dealing with in the two books, the origin of Steve Shield, White Wolf, Crossbones, the return of Nomad, but which one? <laughs> it looks cool. And uh, I love the promotional artwork that Paco Medina done for it, did it for it. It looks really oh, good. Big old splash. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. I, I'm, I'm reading both books, so I'm definitely going to be reading this. So, yeah, oh, really cool. Sure. <laughs> also, guess what? I have another Mark Millar story for you. <laughs> Mark Millar has a new book coming out. It's a vampire series called Night Club. It launches in December, and it's making waves because it has the lowest cover price in modern comics at only $1.99 an issue. Hey, look at that. Nice. Yeah, I mean... It's just, it's just, it's, it's nice, just like, it's it's nice like to see said. that Millar can do something nice. <laughs> it's like you said, like, two segments ago. It's like, before I was aware about the millar of it all (laughs) and and you would follow this man uh the man also just has like not unfinished projects but just unfinished series like if if you can just like cap off like american jesus and like oh you're bringing back nemesis that 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 feels nice 
But if you can just cap off like your actual other series that you've promised for like decades, uh, maybe I'd be interested in coming back to a, a newer book of yours. Just so I wouldn't be teased to another, another sequel or something. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and again, I, I'm, I, I've liked a lot of Millar. I, I'm guilty of that. Don't yeah, get me, me wrong. too. Like, uh, I loved the Ultimates, and I know that's the most problematic book ever. Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> but I loved it. I thought it was great. I didn't realize I'm how bad it was until later. So I am a sucker for Old Man Logan. <laughs> yeah, so I followed Kick Ass all the way to three and the Hit Girls and and the Hit Girls spinoffs oh, yeah. until it passed over to uh, Steve Niles, and then I gave that a shot until I just couldn't anymore. <laughs> uh, but this book, uh, Nightclub. Uh, it it is going to be written by him, obviously, and art is going to be Juan and Ramirez. Um, so yeah, interesting. He's getting some of the best artists out there. I know. <laughs> like he's doing a good job of that, at least. So that's cool. Uh, next up, the next iteration of the Midnight Suns Ooh. we have coming up. It's a five issue mini series. Oh, that's cool. And we know who's going to lead the team. Is the Moon Knight one? Is it like after the one shot? Ileana is going to be the leader of the Midnight Suns. Oh, sick. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. And it's great because this is a team that features Wolverine. (laughs) So she's going to be bossing Wolverine around, which I really like. So, um, yeah, I love Midnight Suns. I have a severe weakness for it. We discussed that in the past. So Mm -hmm. really, really, really excited. Think how busy she is. Very. She's a fucking... Captain and Krakoa. She is still dealing with Limbo until we learn otherwise. Right. She's an instructor at Strange Academy. Yep. Now she's the leader of the Midnight Suns. Yep. Plus she fucks around all the time and gets in everybody's business. So, like, yeah. <laughs> she's the new Wolverine. So <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. She's also an X-Men now. That's right. She's destroying the X-Men. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, fucking hell. Also, she's still in the New Mutants. Just throwing that out there, too. So, um... So, the new roster is going to be Magic and Wolverine, Blade, Spirit Rider, and Nico Minoru. Oh, Uh, fuck yeah. That's awesome. It also said that Zoe Laveau from Strange Academy will have a prominent role. That is dope. Yes. Bring these kids out. Not a lot. Still keep keep them in the school, but let them start having some tie-ins, some team-ups, please. And that is a good one. They could have easily given it to Doyle to um fuck what's the main girl's name they're gonna give it to like some of the main cast but it's like emily emily thank you but we get zoe first to be in a in a cool team up like this this is fucking huge and yeah. just what it i does want not from... say she's a member of the team right but at the very least actually we made part of the story she'll be around that's what, I'm, that's what i'm saying at the very least she'll be around for like team ups-esque and that's all i want from these characters i want them to still to be prospering into the mu and yes please and thank you Yep. And my final bit of news. Guess what, Josue? What? Mark Millar has a new series coming out. <laughs> God damn it. It's called Big Game. And once again, he got one of the best artists in the world to help him. <laughs> Pepe Larraz from X-Men. Oh. <laughs> All right. Ooh. What the fuck is happening? This is going to be a crossover series from Millar World. Oh, okay. Um we don't know exactly who all is going to be involved as far as the crossover goes. Uh, but you can probably guess a few, uh, things like magic order is one of his big ones, you know, like, uh, 
obviously kick ass. Wanted? Wanted was that? I think yeah, that's under the bar now. Yeah. So, yeah, there's a lot of different places. Oh, King of Spies. So, yeah, interesting. Interesting to see where that goes. Lots that'd of Mark Millar one, news this week, though. That'd be a gi- one giant fart if that's just like in the end that that, that was American Jesus 3 with revelations. And <laughs> everything just ends. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think people... Like, again, I'm not trying to shit on the dude, but I don't think people give enough of a shit about Millar's products to be like, oh, a crossover, you know, like... <laughs> kind of reminds me when, kind of reminds me when Valiant did that big crossover and everybody's like, "What?" <laughs> like it's right. like okay, and like I think um, Wildstorm did one too, and it was like like this okay. maybe in 2014 probably would have been a buzz. That like, was like the last really yeah. good hurrah he had. Just throw kick ass on the front, be like kick ass and friends, yeah. and everybody's like cool. So I don't know. Do you have any other news? Um, no, not that, not that I can think of. All right. Well, then we are going to start talking about some comic books. As always on this show, we do not start with a bang. We do not start with a whimper. We start with a boom. And Booba Studios has broken our hearts this week. So let's just whimper a little bit. (laughs) I'm going to whimper a little bit on this one. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We're just going to start off hot. Once in feature 28. Uh, Obviously, one of our favorite books. Written by Kieran Gillen, illustrated by Dan Mora, colored by Tamara Bonville, and lettered by Ed Dukeshire. I'm going to say it now. I'm going to go on record. Once in Future is my favorite boom book. Oh, no way. Yeah. I mean, it would. I, I, aesthetically, I, I get it. Yes. I think this is this sealed it for me as Ooh. the best boom book. Like, just for my personal taste and stuff. Mm-hmm. So. I don't want to spoil it. I don't want to spoil the last page because once in future is known for their last pages. And this is the the last page of last pages to the point that our text conversation, when I read it before you, I just put Holy fuck once in future. And you put, haven't read it yet. And then you put, Oh, and I went, yeah. And you went, no. And I'm like, yeah, that's literally our reaction. Like, yeah, I was right behind you on that one. And whew. Time skips suck. Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed it. Everything's building very well. I think I'm so anxious about how this is going to end. It's <laughs> worrying me. Um, everything's coming together. All the characters are coming together. I love that Duncan's mother's working with them now, but in her own kind of way. You know what I mean? Not like yeah. It, not everything's not okay now. You know what I mean? She's just doing what the right thing is, and I really like that the different interactions, just everything coming together and just all the legends and just the nerd brain in me just goes fucking crazy for this shit. Um, but it's so good. It's, it, it is my favorite. It's my favorite boom book. That's over six issues. I'll say that at least. I got a, a, a series, a good, um, a series, ongoing not a series. Many. Yeah. Right. I think it is my favorite. Nice. I just love it that much. I could, I could reread this a hundred times and not get bored. So, the... and it would be, it would be a first, the first like comic I would recommend for most people. Oh, totally! So, like, if you don't want to read a superhero book, oh, you want to read Once in the Future? So, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, what do you um, think, dude? It was awesome. Obviously, we're not. I'm not, I'm not talking about the last page either, but I do want to talk about two, two other scenes. I love the quiet, in it, like the quiet in the room when Merlin just and just says. I was a bard. <laughs> and then he goes into the story and it's like, oh my oh. god. 
<laughs> it was so good. My and brain then, immediately been like, which one? Which part? Which part? That's, how the, <laughs> that's how the series works. Is immediately everything has significance. Like, right. so I was like, yeah. And then uh, King Lear, like fucking reaching. And then just like, uh, it, it looked really cool. Like the, the, after that, the whole vortex was just really fucking dope. Yeah. Uh, coming to a very climactic finish here. Um, a very strong book. I definitely get why it would be um, a favorite of a publisher because it is a strong fucking book. It's been one. Like if, if you know the stories, the way this has been, it's been playing with the stories, we're, we're in the more sense of a liberty um, than he had with Die because Die, 10 issues last just about a little more constraint, but the liberty he's been having in this one, it has just been nothing but fun. Yeah. I would actually go as far to say it might be my favorite Karen Gillen book. Ooh, nice. Which is a big statement. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, great. Pick it up, jump on. It's not too late. I promise. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about magic together. Number 17. Uh, I got the secret planeswalker variant. The Nessa one, I saw it. It was so pretty. Yeah, I love it. So I like this issue quite a bit. Uh, written by Jim McKay, illustrated by Jacques Salomon, Iguara, and Kath Lobo, colored by Ariana Consoni of Arancia Studio, and lettered by Ed Dukeshire. Um, it's about Nico. Um, the this that one. Oh, okay. <laughs> He's one of the newer planeswalkers. Um, I don't know his last name, so I don't want to say it, <laughs> but, um, or they, they, I should mention, sorry, uh, is a gender neutral character, first gender neutral, um, planeswalker, which is really nice. cool. Um, Nico is able to get into, uh, Ravnica. They're able to find a way you can only go in once every like six hours and so minutes. <laughs> and, uh, Nico's the only one that's able to get there and he gets there and Tezzeret has fucking ruined the place like he's oh. done so much so the three planeswalkers we followed from the first run uh-huh. they're all trapped in Ravnica right mm-hmm. well he found out that Kaya the ghost one yeah. the ghostly one is stuck in ghost form oh shit <gasps> he trapped her in ghost form no one can touch her no one can hear her no one can see her no Ooh, and all the awesome. And all the ghosts in Ravnica are trying to kill her, so she's on the run the entire time. Oh my god, because she's not... Oh, fuck, that is heavy. That is so good. That's just the first one. And it's great, because Jace, Jace is dead now, so he's a ghost. Uh-huh. Oh. It's like, it's like, I might have a, a way of saving her. So that's, that's like a plan. Where's my girl Tasa? She's not a planeswalker, but she's she, she, she loves to fuck with the ghosts, so yeah. she can maybe protect her. That'd be awesome. So Raul Zarek, the lightning like mechanical dude, mm-hmm. he's trapped in this machine for Tezzeret generating power, and he's free to stop whenever he wants. He can walk out, but if he does, they'll kill his boyfriend. Oh, he's just like a conduit. Just oh my yeah. god! <laughs> so he has to sit there powering something. He doesn't even know what he's powering. <sighs> and meanwhile, his yeah, his boyfriend's across the city held captive and they'll know they'll know instantly if he stops they'll kill him so god damn yeah tezzeret's fucking crazy and then there's Vraska. yeah um so her eyes turn people into stone thing mm-hmm. tezzeret could have taken her eyes but that was nowhere near delicious enough for him instead he took away her control of them 
So now right. she can't look at anybody without turning them to stone. Oh, it just happens? Yeah. Fuck. And then he supplied her, quote, with a court, which is a group of semi-mindless clones of Jace Bellerin. Who? All, all of which she's turned to stone. That's like her lover Ew. that she just watched die. He made a bunch of clones of him, and now she's basically accidentally turning them all to stone and killing them over and over and over. That is fucked. So Nico is so furious about this. Also, by the way, this shot Nico, hot. So, nice. <laughs> um, Nico's so furious about this, the plan goes out the window. It's like, I'm just going to kill Tesseret. And Tesseret just wipes the floor with Nico. Uh, Nico's able to get away, and um, yeah, they just kind of have to replan. So it's, it's a very much a Nico issue, but I really, really enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. And Jesus, Tezret's such a fucking monster, dude. Like, Also, we found out that Tezret was using that cloning technology to make copies of Jace so he can just kill them. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, so the other thing we found out about this at the back is there is a new Magic Mini coming. Ooh, okay. And I'm pulling it up right now. It is another Planeswalker-centric story. Yes. Ooh. And it is your boy, Johnny. Oh, oh my God. That is yeah. sick as fuck. That's going to be a great, a righteous, that's going to be a righteous-ass book. Yeah, it's just called Magic, a Johnny Goldman. It'll come out in August, so this month. It's uh, awesome. probably next week. Give me a Sarkin Volmini. It's he's literally <laughs> the dragon, the dragon lords, the easiest fucking comic to write. <laughs> but yeah, that was really good. So that, Next sounds, up, that, that was awesome. Next up, one of our favorites, Basilisk number ten. Oh fuck yeah! This book is fucking with me. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, so written by Colin Bunn, illustrated by Jonas Scharf, colored by Alex Gamaris, and lettered by Ed Dukeshire. It's all coming together. <coughs> Excuse me. And we're telling a different story. No, we're telling the same story. But we're, as readers, we're reading a different story than we did when we started this book. Yes. Everything has changed completely. The purpose, the ending is coming and it's dark and it's grim and it's scary as shit. And basically it's the chimera. It's bringing them all together who's going to get it and it's really creepy and fucked up and this issue especially was just there was some pretty high stakes like this army of worshippers that have been following them around they're not a problem anymore let's just leave it at that so it was a really good issue and it was just like building up to a really tense showdown and it'll be a three way showdown because we have our two members of the chimera and then our human survivor who isn't teamed up anymore and there's a lot of ways this can go it's really interesting what did you think it, it's i really like this issue too just like coming all culminating all to here and obviously we're gonna have the huge confrontation as well but like having that realization where it's like holy shit like she like not a follower but she like she, yeah like it's like you said like the way this story has shifted from when we started it's still the same but something has happened where it's just it's, it's not just like just because of character progression like no like the way like these characters have shifted it's it's just like you ex you accept it because it just it makes sense for how these players got to these uh, positions like to these roles 
it is it was it was really cool. And yeah, and the tension of like the hospital scene was just like, oh god, a, a murder spree can just be so fucking grueling and just be like just again like high stakes, like you said. Um I, I love Basilisk because it's just such a fun fucking book. The whole Chimera thing is really, really cool. Yeah, definitely. I'm really enjoying it. Uh, I'm wondering how long it's gonna go. Maybe twelve? Maybe. Because we're at ten, so mm-hmm. we'll see. All right, next up, we're going to switch publishers, and we're going to go to Aftershock Comics. I got two number ones from Aftershock this week. The first one is called The Brother of All Men, number one. Nice. And Aftershock, we show the credits page. Ooh. It's a good yeah. darky one. Yeah. Written by Zach Thompson, drawn by Ewan Murren, colored by Mark Englert, and Letter by Hassan Atsumani and how this one is giving me vibes of like some of the vault books we read recently. Uh, probably like The Rush, maybe. Okay. Or um, probably The Rush. I'd stick with The Rush. Basically, we have this guy who's trying to hunt down someone who kidnapped a, a woman, and it's it has like a culty feel, like there's a cult involved, and um. She when he gets there, she's obviously not like upset. She obviously doesn't want to just leave, you know. Like she she wasn't kidnapped, if you will. Um, and it's about him getting initiated into the cult, and part of it is like maybe he's getting into it a little bit, but maybe not. And it's really interesting. He's a wounded veteran. He has to wear this weird like eye patch thing mm-hmm. because he basically is head was blown apart in the war but they managed to save him um he's it's it's set in canada by the way so uh it's very interesting like right here you can you can kind of see it like that oh, side yeah. of his face over there that's mm-hmm. like a drawn on eye right okay cool, cool. so it's like a, it's like a whole patch covering that half of his face it's interesting yeah okay. so really interesting i'm curious to see where it goes i like a good cult story and it's giving me some good vibes in that way so really good but then the other one, and this is the one I wanted Josue to pick up, is called The Vineyard, number one. Mm-hmm. So, do you know anything about this as far as what it's about? No. Okay. Oh, and... Oh, Of course, cool. title page. Yep. Written by Brian Hawkins, art by Semi Cavella, color by Jason Wordy, and letter by Taylor Esposito. This gives me strong vault horror vibes. Ooh, cool. And also a throwback to some of the Aftershock oversized one shots. Like, um, oh, yeah. What, what was what was the one with the boy? With the dad and the god in the forest. Oh, God damn it. Um, it had a, such an unusual name. I, I'm only getting like the, the 10 years one, but that's the prison one. I, I, it's probably up there. <laughs> god of Tremors. That's right. I had I had them all right behind me. I was just checking. So <laughs> it gives me vibes of that, if anything. So oh, nice. Here's the story. It's set in 1990 mm. in wine country, and there is a winery that makes the best wine in the world, and it tastes so delicious, and everyone agrees it's almost supernaturally good. And it opens up with this woman crying as she's dragging a body. There she is. As she's dragging a body around. And she ha- he's not dead. He's still alive. And she ties him to an altar. 
holds the knife up, is crying. She can't make herself do it. And her son comes up, takes the knife from her, says, for Dionysus, I do, and stabs the guy in the chest. Oh. What we go to find out is Dionysus, the god Dionysus, has yeah. given them this this vineyard. And it's crazy successful, and everybody loves the taste and all this stuff. And all they have to do is sacrifice four people to him a year. And up until recently, her husband has been doing the sacrifices. But something happened that put him in a wheelchair, so now he can't. So he got he tried to get his wife to do it, and she's too sentimental. She doesn't want to stab someone to death. And so their son does it, and now they're both upset that their son is involved. It's this whole thing going. Uh, at the same time, you got this like hot, blonde like mom lady that's like her friend mm-hmm. who keeps hitting on their son who's like 21 and to be fair he's cute <laughs> so um he looks like that so, oh, okay uh-huh. and he's on so she's like hey why don't you come over and try some of this wine with me and he's just like um you know you know i just think that's the wine talking uh-huh. oh by the way here's what dionysus looks like so okay yeah see that's the gun of wheelchair next to it so Mm -hmm. and he's so upset with his wife for not taking it seriously and he's like you need to do it you don't understand there's also these wood nymphs that dionysus has provided for them you can see them there like they they're like all over her husband all the time right touching them Eventually, this the dad is like, well, I guess my son's going to be the one doing it. So he trains the son what to do. And then the wood nymphs are all over the son, too. Mm-hmm. So that's reaching to his pants. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, yeah, basically, this is the story is to keep the vineyard doing. They're going to have to do this. They also have a daughter who doesn't live with them, who knows what's going on and wants to get them out, but basically got herself out instead. And the end of the issue, he shows up to the the older lady's house is like hey you know i thought we'd try out some of that wine so they drink they start kissing and the last shot is him stabbing her in the leg Ooh. that's when it cuts away so she's gonna be one of the sacrifices yep so this is fun it's creepy it's it's mythological it's a lot of things i love it's so good i love it love maybe, it love it love it maybe think of uh eat the rich with the whole deal thing yes very much so and um semi cavella I've, I've seen their art somewhere i'm trying to remember where but I really, really, really like it. I, I, I just enjoyed it so much. So, yeah, the vineyard, really, really good. Um, next up, we're going to switch over to another publisher. And Josue is going to take over for a moment and talk about AWA Studios. Okay, uh, new book. This is called Sacraments. And it is, oh, well, team is written by Peter Milligan, artist by Marcelo Frusin, or Frusin. And letting by Sal Cipriano. This is a dope sci-fi story. This is a really oh, good sci-fi, sci-fi story. Really quick, Sammy Cavella did uh, the Heathens. That's what it was. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's. I was like, there's something we just read. I was trying. To, anyways, go on. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> okay, cool. So, uh, dope sci-fi story. We're in the year or in the book right now. For now, it's twenty nine ninety nine, and we have just abandoned Earth. Probably where we're going, we just left it to shit and said bye. 
And the story's like about when, when your lease runs out, you're like, I'm not cleaning this place. <laughs> pretty much. We just hopped on, hopped up on some ships and try to discover life elsewhere, which I guess we did. Um, but the story's about this like disgraced priest and he's called back into like to performing like an exorcism and like this like space colony. But then it gets into like, but there is no religion. Like, I mean, like obviously priests have gone up there and like, but they've kind of like outlawed it. He's like, it, was basically, it, it is outlawed. And if you kind of get caught, like the people who are, yeah, the uh, people who are followers kind of get like a slap on the wrist. Like they kind of get reprimanded a little bit, but priests get like, basically just get re-education camps, uh, styles. So he, like, so again, a disgraced priest and he is still doing like the side thing. He's still, he's still saying the good word. Uh, but he's still kind of doing it wrong. Like there's like, he's like, I still don't, don't fully understand like how it works, but he has like this like phone and he just like glows people in it. And like, they get like, they don't seize, but like they, they definitely feel good after like the glow in their face. And then he also just like does it to himself like a lot. So I'm not sure like, well, I'm not sure what kind of dub like they're actually doing to themselves, but he is kind of like spreading like some, like the good word. Um, so, Back with like the government, they find this like grizzly murder, and this grizzly murder is like this person who's hung upside down, and so they start questioning. It's like, well, there like there's not supposed to be religion. Um, what do you make of this? Because it literally looks like an upside down cross, and it kind of like the other person kind of chalks it up to being, well, it could just be like it, it's just like it could just be a madman who just loved the person upside down. Like there's no significance. Um. But then the other person who uh, brings up um, about that, it could be maybe a Satanist priest. And then he asks him again, like, what does he know about like about outlawed priests? And then we get to find out that the person who's kind of just like simplifying this thing um, used to serve as well. Used, used to be a, a member of the church. And he did know the disgraced priests that were uh, the kind of like the, the main character. And they did an exorcism like a kind of like a few years back. And it didn't go well. Like he started, he started freaking out because he kind of, in his mind, he kind of maybe did see a demon or not while they were performing it. Um, and the girl just didn't like. I don't think, I don't think she like survived. Um, and he also tends to be like a very logical person. Like in the very beginning of the issue, he is performing what's supposed. To, everybody's making him. Everybody's asking him to perform an exorcism, but he's just being like, "No, she kind of has like you guys. Like you guys come from like the mines, like like working or working like in the coal mines." she has like this space disease, like there's nothing I can do and they can't. So anyway, at the end, like they, they end up finding him. Um, and he thinks he's just going to go to die at the, at those, um, re-education camps. But no, they're, they take him to get a second opinion on finding what may be like the, the, the actual killer, but, but how they find him is that he's suspended in midair, hanging upside down, like an upside down cross. And they can't, they're, they don't know what to do about him. Like, cause every time they try to move him or try to lower him, his heart stops. So is it possession or is it some alien life or artificial intelligence that's trapped in him, but it still looks very biblical. And it's just like, so like, where the fuck are we going with this? And I'm like, I'm like so into it. And it's, it's just my kind of shit. So love it. It's going to be just one out of five. It's going to be a short mini and I hope it gets more intense. Nice. Yeah, it definitely sounds like something up your alley. <laughs> yeah. See that, so, nice. 
Well, next up, we are Quickfire Publishers. Once again, I'm going to switch to Ablaze. We haven't talked about Ablaze in a while. But we're going to talk about Elves. Yes, I love this book so much already. Written by Kid Toussaint. Art by Aveline Stuckhart. Um, So, it's really cool. Because... (sighs) Okay, I didn't see Inside Out. I want to make that clear before we jump into anything. Okay. I never saw Inside Out. I know what happens. I got the idea. Um, This seems like that, but much cooler. (laughs) Like, is the best way I put it. So, you got this girl, right? And she's locked up in something. And she says, you can't keep me locked in here forever. You know that. And then it just cuts to, like, these school scenes. Mm -hmm. And it's, like, this group of friends hanging out. And they're talking about the new girl. And it's great because I already associate with one of these characters because he's like, if it's the girl I saw in the office, she's kind of hot. And then one of them goes, no kidding. He goes, what? You think anyone vaguely feminine is kind of hot? He's like, whatever. He's like, what about her? Well, yeah. What about her? Well, yeah. What about her? Yeah. Well, Miss <laughs> Rodriguez. Oh, yeah. She's totally hot. Like, and this goes throughout half the book is them thinking of people and asking them and be like, oh, yeah, totally hot. So, yeah, I, I, I can feel that. Um, so the new girl shows up. And um, they make friends with her very quick. It happens pretty much immediately. And her name is Elle. And she's cute. She's got this cool haircut. That's her right there. Mm-hmm. She's great. And they all get along. They become friends. It's told in a in a um, two-page spread of all the times they have together. So it, obviously there's a time skip here where they've all been friends for a while, right? Then the guy I relate to, this is where I stop relating to him, he kisses her. Um, he has a girlfriend, we're pretty sure. So, <laughs> like, that's weird. And she's like, wow, that's weird. Why'd you do that? And he basically made her emotional and a lot of shit's going on. And she's really stressed out. And she, she's hearing, like, she occasionally hears a voice in her head. And... <laughs> This is where it gets really cool, where I think you would like it. She falls asleep, and it's like, ah, sleep after an eventful day, didn't you? Well, good, and she drops through the trap door, and we come to this awesome two-page spread. Ooh, okay. Where it's like a diner. It's called Rosie's. It's like, this is where you go with a little pink rose, and inside is a whole bunch of her with different color hair. Oh, okay. Yeah, and basically it's her different moods essentially and they're trying to take over but she's keeping control they go to school they play dodgeball and someone bullies her and she everything just keeps going bad and the voice in her head says oh looks like it's showtime it says i know exactly who to pick and the way they do it is so cool they know who to pick to replace her and they go to the blondie and it's like all right your turn at bat basically they do this thing where the girl pushes her into the water we get another amazing visual of her like diving towards this. Yeah, those look really cool. Underwater. It's so good, dude. She comes up. She's like, game on. And she gets really aggressive in dodge. Or no, it wasn't dodgeball. It was volleyball. She gets really aggressive and like spikes it in people's faces and stuff like that, acting all badass. But she steps on her friend's glasses and doesn't realize it doesn't care. Oh. So you can obviously see more than one thing has changed. Mm-hmm. It's so cool, dude. It's just really cool. Like, I really enjoy it. It's totally safe for all ages, but I, as a almost 40-year-old man, thoroughly enjoyed it. It was great. So I considered that one as well. 
It's good. It's really good. The art alone mm-hmm. makes it worth a pickup. So, yep. All right. And next to another small publisher, real quick, we're going to talk about Action Labs. Um, man, Ballad of Ronin. I'm so glad I subbed to it because there's like no <laughs> copies. Oh, nice. Uh, written by John and Jim Walsh, art by Remy Jackson, colored by Valentina Pucci, and letter by Becca Carey. This is the one about um about being a um a kid in the foster care system in Ireland. Okay. And she basically in the last one she was told to go find a guy named Ronan. And the priest that protects her, he's going through his whole own thing. It's really cool. But anyways, long story short, she meets a guy named Ronan who's spray painting a wall underneath an overpass. But she meets a guy, I should say. And the art is like mythological art. It's not like, you know, normal tagging. Yeah. So they're getting to know each other and he doesn't say his name right away. And eventually he introduces himself as Ronan. She's like, holy shit, because the voice told her to go find Ronan. They get attacked by some people trying to rob them, and he absolutely wrecks them. And one of the things he does is he flashes back to this moment. Okay. With the sword and the and like, and he's wearing armor and stuff like that. <laughs> so he's older than we think and stuff like that. It, it's really, really cool. I, I really like this book. It's already three of six, so we're already halfway through, which is unfortunate. But it's been very, very good so far. Um, yeah, love it. So... Truth or Ballad of Ronan, pick it up. It's fantastic. Next up, we're gonna switch one once more. We're gonna talk about Oni Press. Hey, Oni Press, stop firing people. There's my warning. <laughs> All right, Rick and Morty, Crisis on C three one three seven. This is a rare Rick and Morty comic that is definitely in the canon of the show. Oh, really? Yes, because it's C one thirty seven. They make it very clear. Uh-huh. Okay. Written by Stephanie Phillips, illustrated by Ryan Lee, colored by Doug Garbark, and letter by Crank. You watch Rick and Morty, yeah. right? You watch the one with the um, oh god, what were they? What were they called? The um, the Justice League ripoff, right? The Vindicators was yes. the Vindicators, mm-hmm. yeah. And how Rick killed them all except <laughs> for the main chick and Noop Noop, yeah. <laughs> um, so. This opens with that chick and Noop Noop fighting off a giant robot dog in space. And it immediately kills Noop Noop, of course, because he's no. ruthless. I know. And she can't stop him on her own. And then she does the traditional superhero thing of like the big bad guy kicked your ass so you fall to Earth. Like oh. the Hulk, you know? <laughs> so yeah. she falls down, she runs into Rick, and she's just like, you know, this thing. And they, they found out Snowball, it's their dog. And the oh. dog people, they're trying to take over the earth. Yeah. Um, but then other things start happening. Like, remember when they came to C-137, they killed the Rick and Morty that were already there and took their places and buried them in the backyard? Mm-hmm. They come up as zombies. No! <laughs> yeah, so they're coming up. And basically they discover that a bunch of bad guys are coming for them. So they decide to hold the tryout for a new group of Vindicators. And it's pretty great. Um, this dude is one of the standouts. So that just tells you a lot. Like, they held this tryouts and they're killing each other to to be a part of the team. And it's really funny because it's like, it shows the bad guys. They're like, oh, they're actually getting rid of most of the heroes for us. <laughs> like, it's really great. So, yeah, and that's kind of where it ends. They're still building the team. 
But uh, we do in the cover for the next issue, we do see a preview of the team and what looks to be a janitor with a cup of decaf is in the party. So <laughs> what the fuck? Okay. Yeah. So good stuff. <laughs> and next up is Agritsuko out to lunch. Number one. I loved this one. I love Agritsuko so much. Written by Josh Trujillo, illustrated by Abigail Starling, colored by Andrew Dollhouse and letter by Crank. This is a new run. Uh, basically, someone in the office gets a new job because she's been training for this new job she's always wanted her entire life, and she finally gets it. So everybody's like, congratulations! And they're all giving her a goodbye party while giving Retsuko all of her work to do. And Retsuko's like, I have dreams too, <laughs> like basically. And so she goes through this, she gets more and more stressed out, and at the end of the issue, she's like, you know what? I quit. I'm going to go find another job. So we'll see what happens. Um, obviously, I don't think she's going to quit permanently because the entire cast of the show <laughs> <laughs> it's there. But but it's great. I I, I love Retsuko. I like her exploring her world. So next up, we are going to open the vault. And Josue, I need you to tell me about Shadow Service number fourteen. And I will preface once again. I did purchase it. I'm just not caught up. <laughs> so uh, go ahead and run it down for me. Uh, so yeah, um, this one written by Kevon Scott, art, art by Corin Howell, and Trina Farrell with the colors and, and world design with lettering. Uh, main thing that happens in this issue, because I think we're next issue will be the wrap-up to this arc being 14, um, Hex, the little kid leader who's much older than he appears to be, um, got kidnapped by like a flea demon. What do they? What do they call it? It's like right there on the same page. Uh, a rekin. A rekin. It's a flea demon. He gets taken away somewhere, and the whole time, uh, Gina is just trying to. Again, she's very angry over like the events that did transpire at the beginning of this arc. Um, she's just set, and it kind of becomes like this little kind of cloak and dagger um, type of issue of hunting down like the fox uh, changeling that also appeared uh, started to appear in this in this arc. Uh, it's like this whole like uh, chasing us to get her or to get information like where the flea took Hex. Um, at the end, they kind of they do they do kind of team up and now they kind of they're gonna go to the destination to at least the whereabouts of where Hex is, and of course not without a good cliffhanger. Uh, so yeah, next issue we'll see what happens for 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 what for for what we're gonna leave off with the uh, shadow shadow service because I'm pretty sure not not the end but the end to the, the the third arc nice and we also have fox and hair number two from vault yes written by john sui art by stacy lee colorist raul angulo and letter by jim campbell it it was a little while between this book and the other one especially because i think we got an advanced copy so we read it even you. earlier uh so i had to go back and read the first issue again but yeah i really like where this is going i love the cyberpunk world of it all i love cyberpunk now Thanks to Cyberbook twenty seventy seven, um, and just kind of building up. I love, I love how revolutionary Vault is with stories. Like, there's so many revolutions. There's so many yes. under, um, like underpowered organizations taking a stand, kind of thing. And this is just another aspect of it. And I really like it. I love the art. I love the character designs. I love the characters themselves. It's definitely a standout Vault book for me. Um, but yeah, yeah. What do you think? It's what I've been waiting for. Um, I really like the first issue, so I've been waiting for to explore this world. And I like how this issue, yeah, where we did we did get enough of like the the duo, like of Fox and here, but I like that we also just also had enough of the actual world building, like like the other organizations, 
the one of the dudes that's like that's he, he seemed like he was gonna come off as like the bad guy, but he's just like more now like cautious or like wary of like the shit that he's that he's been doing. So I don't know. It's it, it's it's something I'm I'm definitely intrigued on like where this is going. Um, and again, I, I've just been wanting to explore the, this world because it's, it's one where I was just I, I was just dead set from it from the beginning for from like the advanced copy and just yeah wanted to be all about it about this book. Yeah, definitely, really really cool stuff. So. That's it for Vault this week. So let's talk about Image. Uh, so Josue has several solos. Uh, I only have one. So we'll let Josue start us off with Golden Rage number one. This is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I, I know you're going to. I know you're probably going to catch up on this one. So this was uh, words by Chrissy Williams, art by uh, Lauren Knight, colors by Sophie Dodson, uh, flats by Shane Hanakui. And lettering by Becca Carey. So, Golden Rage. Where do we start? A little bit of Bitch Planet. With, like, a little essence. So, it's basically... Once women have served their purposes. Once they're no longer needed. They're no longer useful. God damn, it sucks. Um, they're, they're, all, they're sent to an island. And... We start with this girl who's pretty much the youngest. Uh, probably can't be more than eight, than than thirty. Like whoever, no more. Like probably in her mid thirties, maybe. Gets dropped off, and it is carnage. It is old ladies killing each other, surviving off of each other, or trying to survive off of this like huge massacre. And then this one super dope buff lady just goes her. I'm I I want I, I'm she's mine move it makes a beeline for her and like oh fuck she's got to defend herself here and kind of basically saves her and it's and and so and she takes and she basically rescues her and takes her to like her hut basically around this island there's just like a lot of fact a lot of different factions um like they keep referring to like the red hats were gonna get to her and probably kill her first if she didn't she didn't rescue her. So you, get to get, you get to meet her friends. These are the two old, old, older ladies, and they're just so sweet. It's like it's a very brutal book, but at the same time, obviously, with being a bunch of old ladies, especially, and then them being friends and, and sort of click, they've they become like these very sweet scenes. I love this book, uh, and it, the whole thing why it sucks. Like they they instantly pick off why why the the new young one is there. It's like they 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 instantly deduce that she had like early menopause. And so it just leaves you to wonder, it's like, what the fuck is going on out there in the real, in the supposed real world to just have this format of doing things and just, it's crazy. Um, but yeah, you just, it's, just, it's the first issue. You just, you fall in love with your cast. Like they have, there's like a lot of sweet scenes. Um, but then you get like the, at the end, it just like, it reminded me of um, a man among you when they're all forming together. Mm-hmm, yeah. and they're they're about to just like have like this all like another brawl but that's a cliffhanger for this one uh it's really good golden rage um god it's, it's gonna be a lot of fun <laughs> nice what about Stillwater number 14 oh boy still water still water still water we're getting so close to the end so chip zarsky uh co- co-created and written by Ch- chip zarsky ramon k perez with the art and other side of the co-creating Mike Spicer with the colors and Russ Wooten with the lettering. So little Galen had had the plan to expand the town's borders and maybe adapt 
cold water into still water in order for this like for this whole like um plan to kind of like get back at the three the big three the elusive three that have left and they're out there growing but they want to keep it a hush hush so people don't make them as like these not martyrs but like like these like symbols of hope for them to come back and rescue them out of this so then we're gonna make the towns bigger and it's Galen kind of like, like he well he has a meeting with like the the mayor there and basically just drops everything. I mean like this is what it's like and this is what it's gonna be like. And she kind of laughs at him. I was like, oh cute kid. Uh, you get to find out that Galen's also forty in his forties. Technically, would be in his forties. Um, but yeah, uh, obviously she's not buying it. Um, he does, like, but he does call for like a town meeting if uh, at the least like this uh, the mayor can like request this. And so the whole town gathers around like the the plaza, like uh, out in the in the park. And again, he drops the bomb on them, and then he makes them turn around. And it's like, yeah, and also like look out there on the rooftops are a bunch of other um, Stillwater militia side people, and they're there to basically prove the point. Like, what? Uh, the cops end up showing up because like they didn't attend uh, the meeting, and like they basically just armed themselves first. They show up to try to save them. And then um, one of the uh, Marines that the sheriff brought over, he basically is like, he basically just gets in front of the gun to, like, to prove that they can't die. Also, th- not that they were like 50-50 on it, but they also maybe weren't 100% sure that they had expanded the borders. So this was actually going to be the test. Uh, but sure enough, he, ca- he comes back up and they pop a few other civilians uh, just to kind of get them to comply. And yeah. It's two weeks later, and everything is just obviously weird. Nobody's liking it, but there's a dope, there's a great uh, conversation between Galen and uh, the diner lady, and they do a call back to the one shot, the, the the annual one shot, um, Stillwater: The Escape, where back when he was kind of coming up with this plan, he had visited uh, Coldwater for like the burgers. He just makes a point that how much he loves the burgers from this town, from this diner. And the lady makes a point where I was first start saying like, yo, like this kind of, this fucking sucks. Like I, the, you're keeping me from my grandkids. I won't be able to see them. Um, and he's just like super creepy about it, but she makes a good point where she's like, so that time he came and we were talking the, um, uh, the other time, the borders hadn't been expanded. So you were, you were, you were risking your life then. He's like, yeah, basically I was. So you don't think that maybe that's why you were hungry then? Like, or like, you didn't get hungry until you crossed that border. And so you kind of maybe started becoming alive again and it kind of fucks with you. It's like, so are there other burgers even going to ma- matter anymore? Now, now that you've made this side immortal as well. And it's like, oof, it kind of, it kind of sunk in a little bit for him too, but it's just like, what is that going to mean for like the rest of the people too? Um, but yeah, this, and then like, uh, then the cliffhanger, the, the three come back, the three literally just come in to just like fuck everything up. Not like in guns blazing fashion, but, they do come back with the fashion to prove a point and we'll see where this goes. It's going to be so good. <laughs> nice. All right. We're going to take a break from mostly real quick while I talk about twig number four. Uh, written by Scotty Young, drawn by Kyle Strom, colored by John Francois Ballou, letters, logo, and series designed by Nate Picos of Blambot. We were last left off with finding out that one of the things twig needs to save the world is the heart of these great horned beasts. All of them are dead except one, and now he has to kill it. And it turns out it can talk. 
and it's adorable and it talks to him and he explains hey to save the world i need your heart and it's like okay oh i'm ready you may take it now you're very kind i'll make you say well it hurt you i'll make sure it's quick he's like you're very kind and then twig is like yeah no i can't do i can't kill you (laughs) so so twig is basically letting the whole world be destroyed essentially but the dude, uh, the the um, horned beast, joins them on their journey, and they discover that he doesn't have a name. So um, they basically are going to get a name for him. Uh, we do find out that his name is Lobi, which is adorable. <laughs> yeah, uh, they end up getting the second thing they need, which is a song from a monster inside this box. This box, the monster refuses to provide the song. Unless they let him out. And so he lets him out and gives him the song, but it looks like this. So who the fuck knows what it's going to do? It's going to run off and do some shit. Um, Now the last thing they need to do is get to the moon. And that's where we're left off. So they still can't do it unless he takes the heart of the great horned beast. And the great horned beast is like, I'll join you. And that way, if you change your mind, I'll be there. It's (laughs) like leading to something there. I hope it's not too sad. So, all right, now back to Hostway for two more solos. Time before time 15. Time before time number 15. Oh, this is a good one. Uh, Roy McConville and Declan Shelby with uh, co-writing. Eric Zawatsky with the with the art. Chris O'Halloran with the colors. And Hassan Otsmane Elao with the lettering. So we start, uh, we get a little bit of backstory with Tatsuo from 2137. Um Note, spoiler, I'll be going through a lot of years in this one, but I'll get to that part. So we start in 2137 when he basically, basically first got the job of like smuggling people. And we get the information that even back then, time machines were not shielded well. Like, even if you traveled, you were going to get a little bit of radiation. So basically off the bat, from the get-go from this issue, we know we, we it's not something that happened from when he was strapped outside of the of the time machine and they traveled, though that didn't help. It's been obviously something that's been building that started some time ago. That was obviously probably could have probably could have gotten himself checked out. So from holy shit. So from twenty one thirty seven, now we've been traveling forward to thirty six eleven, and you see this beautiful city. It's obviously a futuristic city, but it's their future as well. Uh, so he's there to see a doctor. He's got an appointment. Uh, back at the hideout, Nadia and the robot are just kind of like a, like a heart to heart. And the robot says, like, or bef- they're there waiting, obviously, while he gets checked out. And Nadia's kind of like, I'm getting kind of bored. This sucks. Uh, how long is going to take? And now that they have a really dope time, tra- time travel machine. Um, it takes about a week to charge, to charge up, to boot up, to shield up. Cause like how he says it, you can have speed or you can have good red shields, but you can't have both. So that's why they're waiting, waiting the week. And yeah, obviously what we get to, he, he goes to his his appointment and he kind of lays it on her, see if she's going to believe it or not. And yeah, we're just, it's the, the, the cliche, um, motive. Let's just keep going forward until we find the cure. And right now we don't have it. So they go to 3686, 3715, 3761, 3802, 3836. So it's 3911. A whole century from where we were, a whole millennia from where he basically 
started uh, contacting these uh, the radiation. Thirty nine eighty seven. So they go to this like future future, and I'm I'm getting the I'm getting kind of like the hint where it's just like maybe this future has like advanced away from maybe they discovered that time travel fucking sucks and it's bad for everyone. That maybe we're in a future where they've just there is no cure because we've evolved from that. There's been no reason to just keep discovering or to or to to keep uh following through with whatever happens with that kind of um technology so everything's just been because everything looks more advanced everything still looks like it is advancing just without that so i I think i'm pretty sure tatsu looks fucked he looks he just like keeps looking worse and worse every time he looks he keeps jumping so yeah we're now close to the year 4000 and we'll see uh, what happens to them but back in 3611 back to the doctor that he kind of did have the the conversation with and she's kind of like i don't know how to help you she gets attacked by by the dude who's been running the the heist the last two issues. So fuck, this dude is right on their trail. <laughs> I think you're still muted. Thank you for pointing that out. That's the first <laughs> time I've ever done that. Uh, <laughs> so, um, all right, in your last solo, that Texas Blood sixteen. That Texas Blood by Chris Condon and Jacob Phillips, part three of this arc. Um, so god damn it. <laughs> so it sucks because so in the last issue uh sheriff joe uh went to the news stations and basically let the let the whole town know that there's a killer on the loose <laughs> so everybody is ringing the fucking phone over to uh the, the sheriff's office but it's only the secretary there and she and, she, and it was literally news to her she was like wait what he did fucking what and it's just been ringing off the fucking hook and it's just driving her nuts to where she literally has to like go, uh, go uh, seclude herself in the sheriff's office, where the folder was of the murder that just happened, and she finally got to see the picture of the body, which they were trying to avoid for her to watch because obviously she doesn't have the heart. Obviously, it's, just, it's not there's no real reason for her to see that. Uh, that's such a gruesome picture. They were so fucking close on the way to on the way kind of um, back. Well, at the beginning of the show, I forget I forget which way the uh, which way they were heading, but they find a uh, a semi truck that's just kind of like abandoned. Um, they kind of chalk it up to like, oh, maybe he it got, maybe got it got left, it got stranded, and he started walking towards um, the next closest place as they they know there's a close place. The fucking killer was in the truck. Was not, not they looked inside the truck, but they didn't look in the fucking um, cargo part, and he was in there. So fucking close because of course um so anyway um the meat of this book um there's like a, a town meeting and the dude who's kind of like running against the sheriff wants to recall him is with a gathering like uh, like all the people to vote for him but then he does sh- the sheriff does show up and he where he's always like super quiet does the whole like like the like the the deep hum and just literally says well and just like let's it, let's it be quiet he pops off it was like yo Fuck you, because I was the one that was actually there. I found the body. I had to go to the dad's house, tell him, have him cry on my fucking shoulder. And meanwhile, you're just talking shit. And it's like it, it, he makes him look really fucking bad. It, it was awesome. It was it was a good part of the book. Um, but yeah, they go back to the station and they they can't find the secretary. So it's like, and so again, like, so you get to see like the sheriff actually gives a shit, and because he had that obviously exploit on that guy. Uh, but then back at the station. He really cares for the for for the secretary, and 
and just like it makes her feel better after just like just being alone with like being alone with the picture. So, so yeah. And now the killer is heading, heading somewhere. It is the, the cliffhanger is him like leaving the truck and just heading to his remote house again. It's snowing. It's it's a whole whiteout snow, and so I have no idea whose house he's heading out to. <laughs> I love this book. Nice. All right, then we have three shared image books. First of all, The Closet, number three. Uh, James Tyne in the fourth writing, Kevin Ford in drawing, Chris O'Halloran coloring, Tom Impolitano lettering. What's the last book you actually felt angry at? (laughs) Yeah. This dude somehow gets worse every issue. Dude. Like, what a piece of shit. Uh, for those who don't remember, this is the one about the little kid who's afraid about the monster in the closet and his shitty dad who's shitty. Um, so we learn more about the mysterious girl that they've talked about in the past but not really gotten into. Um, and we also learn more potentially about the origin of the monster in the closet, you know, whether it's psychological or not. I don't think it's entirely psychological, but I definitely think he contributed to it. Um it was a good twist because I, I mean, like, it was definitely something I thought was going to be like a straight up supernatural thing. Mm-hmm. But to make it like about trauma and stuff was a really interesting twist. And God, that guy's just awful, awful, awful. But yeah, what did you think? I mean, like, 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 like I preface it. Like, I've it's been a while since I've been angry. I mean, not because like it's like it's bad writing or like the art sucked. No, like it's just emotionally, like, like what it makes you process reading line for line you just get more and more angry at like this character at this person it just sucks obviously nothing against james like thank you for like invoking such emotions but oh my god and especially when you get to like the meat of it when you get to like the realization if it is psychological by the same by the same time that's what that's what makes the demon fucking real that's what that's that's what having like like that that's that we're just going to something a little more, more simplistic. We're actually, but actually something that happens in the book, having like the feeling of like the demon sleeping on top of you that you, where you can't wake up because it's just holding you there. That's fucking real. You can't get up from that. You need help from someone else who is passing by or is around. That's just one of the scariest feelings ever. That's what makes it, that's what makes the the psychological horror real. And he, he gave that to his fucking son and yeah, the demon, the demon thing. That, that again, like then you get into like all your mythos and all like, your head cannons. And yeah, I do believe in all in all the crazy shit. So again, the psychological trauma is what made it real for this little boy. And it's what, oh, and you just, I, I was, I felt so angry at, at the at the end of this book, especially because yeah, like they it, make it, yeah. they make it to the fucking house, and it still can't, you can't have the the fucker can't ha- be happy about anything. Yeah, I know, right? It's just like. Uh... He's the worst. <sighs> All right. Next up is Little Monsters number six. Uh, this book is also stressful. <laughs> Written by Jeff Lemire, uh, drawn by Dustin Nguyen, with letters by Steve Wands. Um, man, this, again, stressful. Everything going on, especially with the remaining twin hmm. and what's going on there. The conflict between the kids. They're hiding the girl. There's so much going on in this issue. And this is 
This isn't ending anytime soon, right? We we, we don't know if it's like a eight or anything like that. We right? for when we when this first came out, we were like, oh, it's a one out of five, but the, like the pacing didn't make any sense. And then um, at the end of the, when I looked up the the issue five, it did say the end of the first arc. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm kind of curious to see how long this is going to go. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting, and I really want to know the lore behind stuff. Like, were they put here and told not to leave to to protect the humans? Like, we got some nuggets. Thing? We got some nuggets of information yeah. that we can play with, and 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 then yeah. to play with with what happens with the kids. Obviously, like there's they're they're meant to be split. There was a deal. There was a pact that something happened. But then it's what happened. What's been happening with the kids, especially the. The little monsters ones. Now that they've tasted real blood. They're starting to have like like their their face starts having get got a little more rugged. And like what what they're kind of saying to me like makes me to believe that it's like whoever those old old vampires were. Maybe they figured out that like once you dr- once you draw real blood, you're fucked. You're maybe a true true vampire, and that's yeah. what keeps you alive. But if you never tasted it, if you just keep to animals, maybe you can still be okay. Maybe you can not go as feral. You don't. You don't go feral. Yeah, you just get bloodlust, basically. Yeah. yeah. So it's really interesting. I'm really enjoying it. It's interesting. This is the first issue of the new arc. Mm-hmm. Um, thinking like, what's that arc going to be? And it's going to be them trying to hide her, the conflict between the two groups, and of course the hunter closing in on them. So yeah, lots of cool conflicts going on in this book. I really enjoy it. Um, yeah, really cool. So. And then finally, a number one, uh, the dead lucky number one. Uh, this book is written by Melissa Flores, drawn by French Carla Magno, colored by Mattia Iancono, and letter by Becca Carey. So I enjoyed the book. Uh, we'll talk about the details and everything in just a moment, but I did want to throw out there. So we have a bit of a misunderstanding on our end. We're not sure if this is massive verse or not, because it does say in a lot of the promos, and Josue found some, where it says it is a part of the massive verse. But it doesn't seem to be in the same time frame, at least from, from the way I read it. Maybe I read it wrong. Um, but I, I thought it seemed like more near future than current time uh, to me. But I'm very curious. So if any creative team member is listening to the show, please let us know if it does tie directly in the massive verse and how so. Because we would really like to know that, unless it's a secret. Right. You don't have to tell us. So. Uh, but the book itself, I really enjoy. I like her as an addition. If it is an addition to the Massiverse, I like her joining this roster of characters in my head. Yeah. Um, the Straight Lace Soldier. It's kind of what we thought Rogue Son would be originally. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, a little bit. Yeah, like, you're right. And I, I like that as a, as as a role because between the two Radiants, the two main Radiants, mm-hmm. and Rogue Son, you don't have like that straight laced character. You know, you don't have that duty character and i really really enjoy that and i think it's really cool i love the design all the designs are awesome and the massive verse we love those um and yeah i like the tech of it all I, I i just think it looks really cool and um yeah i don't know i'm very curious to see where it goes also it's our first time in this if it is part of the massive verse that is that we get one of the sentai tent poles which is a giant robot that they ride around <laughs> in. So it's coming. The Megazord is coming. Uh, so, Josue, what did you think? Um, if this is set in the future, um, 
I am happy that there will be uh, birria rolls because those sounded so fucking good. Right? I was the like, oh my Mexican god. Mexican fusion? <laughs> like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> uh, that was probably my, the highlight of the book for me. Oh uh, no, um, not just. Um, I, I love the Mass Universe. Like, I've been having a lot of fun with it, but like I told you earlier, I let out the lattice groan knowing that it was another massive book verse, which gives me. Maybe an incentive to maybe again drop DC altogether so I can get again go to go to the the indies and have yes. this book grow, and then you have this super dope first page, and I'm like yeah. I'm so fucking in. This looks so cool. <laughs> I knew you'd like it. Um, yeah, no, and I, honestly, like I, I really like her being like, like she's from military background, which is very different from the other, from all the other characters, not yeah. just characters for like their personas, but like their personal lives. Like that's we didn't we haven't had anyone like this. But also love that she has like that quirk of like she's kind of breaking the fourth wall, but it's like it's it's mainly her. Like they, they people constantly pointed out to her, so it's yeah. like so it's she's like yeah, talking to herself. Basically. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's super dope. I, I love that she. I love that the robot is her phase one, and if that goes down, she pops off in, into her suit. I like that. There's like a uh, that switch instead. And by her real name, it does appear she is multicultural, uh, looks Mexican, and Yang, I want to say, is Japanese. Oh, nice. Um, okay. So, by her name, because Lopez Yang, that tells me she's multicultural, which explains the barrier buns, which... Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Amazing. Yeah, it sounds delicious. I'm, so good. I'm very, I'm very hungry right now. So. <laughs> uh, but yeah, great book. Great start. The good news is they didn't launch this until Radiant Red ended. So they're that's smart. True. There's still only three books. That's so. true. That's a good move on their part. So, yep. But thumbs up from us. So, yeah. Next up, it is time to talk about the big two. And we're going to start with DC Comics. First up for DC, we have a couple solos we're going to go through. I'm going to start with Black Adam, The Justice Society Files, Cyclone, number one, the longest title in comic books. <laughs> um,. Written by Kevin Scott, drawn by Maria Laura Sanapo, colored by Arif Prianto, and lettered by Becca Carey. This is the one that's like the prequel to the Black Adam movie, okay. introducing each of the Justice Society characters. So this one is Cyclone. And I'm, I'm going to get the actor photo covers for each one, I decided. Nice. So. Uh, so she's new to the hero game, and she has wind powers, which is great. And the story is that she's a fan of the Justice Society growing up, so she's like drawing pictures of Hawkman and Dr. Fate and stuff. Cool. And in this world, the Justice Society existed and then kind of fell apart. And now with everything going on, it looks like they're going to get back together, but she doesn't know that yet. Uh, she goes through kind of like street level stuff that's going on. She's not trying to be a hero. She's just doing the right thing, you know, that kind of thing. And Hawkman ends up showing up and she's like, holy crap, you're Hawkman. There's actually a really great moment when he first shows up. Because first of all, just my man. Like oh, he is gonna be magnificent. Oh that's gonna be the best God. part of the movie. I don't care what anyone says. <laughs> yeah. So, so her inner monologue is say something, say something now. She goes, You're Hawkman. And then she in her head she goes, Something that isn't that. He knows who he is. <laughs> and, then, and then she goes, Hawkman. And, she, and says, Don't say it again. <laughs> Look, it's so great. I loved it. It was such a little bit, but I thought it was so perfectly great. And but yeah, basically he's like, Hey, I'm here to recruit you to the Justice Society. She's like, Word. So that's kind of how it went. It was great. I really enjoyed it. It made me interested in a character that I don't think I've ever thought about in my life. So cool. <laughs> Next up, Josue talked to me about Batman, White Knight Presents, Red Hood, number one, also a long title. 
Oof. I know you're going to have to find this one later. Um, even though you have no background to the White Knights uh, series. But, sorry. It's a beautiful book. It's a beautiful looking book. Um, but that's because um, it's written first, uh, first and foremost by Sean Murphy. And it was a story by Sean Murphy. Script by Clay McCormack. Um, the art on this beautiful book is by Simone DeMeo. Steve Stewart on the colors. And Anne World on the lettering. So in the White Knight universe, Jason was the first Robin. Um, instead of instead of Dick. And it opens up with what happened on that fateful night with the crowbar. And Jason basically he was a kid. He was just a boy. He hit his limit. He hit he got hit with a few a few too many times with the crowbar by this scary fucking person. He said it's Bruce Wayne. Batman is Bruce Wayne. To a very disappointed Joker being like, the fuck? I didn't want to know that so soon. <laughs> So in this case, in this world, instead of, and then he just tells him like, there's a mistake to like, I, it says like, I regret fucking meeting Bruce Wayne and Joker lets him free instead of killing him, instead of exploding the plays, he lets him go. So in this, in this world, he was out lost to Bruce Wayne. Um, and then Bruce Wayne just ended up moving on to, to Dick. So in this story, it's what he kind of, he was, what he was, what he has been doing or he was doing it in in between. I think right before he kind of got like the the top the the top job at uh at the prison, and it's, and yeah, he was just like kind of living like the a nomadic life until <laughs> until he finds like, he he was beating up these these dudes until this random Robin shows up and stops him, and she, she's pretty cute. She's on a bike, a, a bicycle bike, and stops Jason. Being like, yo, you didn't have to hurt them that hard. They were just gonna get a little too tipsy in like twenty minutes, and then har- harm no one. Like she, she knows, she knows this community. Uh, but she just call- she, she, she just keeps calling him like the beer guy. Um, <laughs> so she's kind of like they kind of like say like they're they're laters, and Jason has a confrontation, or the cops show up, and Nightwing is there. Nightwing with like one of those like faux hawk into mullets, and they have like, a little brawl. Wait, is Nightwing still Dick? Huh? Yeah. Okay. He just is never a Robin. Right now, there is no Robin. I, at this point, I get we we're kind of no because no, you said you said Jason was the first Robin. I want to make sure I understood. Oh yeah, Jason's so, the first Robin, and then right now we're like in the future. Um, and Dick is at this point now Nightwing. So he just wasn't Robin, or were they out of order? Uh, oh, you're saying if, if Nightwing was Robin? Um, yeah, he was. But again, like we're still now we're, after we're, Jason. Yeah, 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 but after Jason. Gotcha. Okay, okay. I'm just making sure I understood. <laughs> so, uh, so they have like a little brawl in the streets, and the cops are just watching, like letting them, letting them have it. <laughs> Nightwing wins, but still, of course, Jason has to run his mouth. <laughs> that hair doesn't make you more dynamic, you know. It just makes you look like a stupid dummy. <laughs> <laughs> so he spends the night in jail, and um, that Robin girl shows up and frees him or helps him out. Be like, yo, like she caught on to his moves. Like you were trained by Batman, right? And he kind of lets it slide, like, yeah, sure, whatever. Um, like, I can help you. And she kind of, like, she picked up his grappling hook with it from the fight. And so it's like, you can pick up, you can get the keys from the guard with this. And yeah, sure, like, he gets free. And yeah, it's like, you know what? I'll train you for, I'll train you for a bit. Um, and it's kind of like the meat of the book. And it's like, and there's like a struggle because he's trying to train her like the way Batman trained him. And it just, it just isn't working out. It's just like, it just, 
She's just getting, she's not, it's not clicking for her. <laughs> she's, she's struggling with like the grappling hook. Like she's scared of heights for like, first of all. Um, and so she's kind of like being like, you know what? This is stupid. Maybe, maybe this isn't for me. I don't know. I'll, I'll just throw away the suit. And at this point, they, they're now like on the, on the sidewalk and they're kind of having this heart to heart. And someone says like, oh, stop that thief. Like there's like a, a purse burglar. And she literally like looks over and tackles this motherfucker to the ground, like per- in perfect formation. And Jason's like, yo, wait, where the fuck did that come from? It's like, oh, I played rugby in my old school before we had to move here. And he's like, oh, that's it. Like, I can't train you. And it's like, yeah, I-, I know. We were just talking about this. No, no, no. I can't train you like the way I can't. Like, the- like because you're not me, I got to train you like you. Like, forget the heights. Like, we're going to work on your ground game. And it's like, cool, we're going we're gonna to train a little brawler that Jason is just perfect for. And yeah, I just, and that's kind of where it ends here. It sucks. I think this is like out of two because it's like we're just getting into like the mentor shit. But I really like this. I really like this book on Jason having this role. And again, Simone de Mayo on like on exploring this Gotham. Dude, it's it's awesome. Yeah, that sounds pretty dope, actually. So, (laughs) (laughs) all right, next up, my new book of the week. Ooh, the new championship. Oh, that's right. (laughs) So, We'll run through the creative team before I start gushing. Um, written by Josie Campbell. Art and cover by Evan Doc Shaner. Letter by Becca Carey. I love Mary Marvel. Mm-hmm. Mary Marvel's probably my favorite member of the Marvel family. Even the extended Marvel family, including the Black Adam portion. I love Mary Marvel. And girl has some thick-ass legs. <laughs> and I love that about yep. her. They don't fuck around. She looks strong as fuck. I love it. This takes place in the current DC universe in the current time. The story is that uh, we do know from reading Teen Titans Academy that uh, Shazam is at the Rock of Eternity holding everything back. Remember that? Yeah. Um, he was out. Of, he was out of commission. And so he can't be Shazam. And if since he's not there to share his powers, none of his siblings have powers, essentially. So they all go back to living normal lives and they definitely gave it like a visual representation based on the movie, the kids. Oh yeah. Um, I definitely see the slow transition to that. And Mary Marvel just graduated high school and it's her time to go to college. She goes to college. She meets her roommates. They're cool. One of them has a rabbit. It's fun. They go to orientation. She's like, everything's going perfectly. She opens her bag in the middle of orientation and the rabbit's in her bag. She goes, Hoppy, how did you get in there? And the rabbit replies, oh, through the magic of the Rock of Eternity, of course. And she screams <laughs> out loud. And he keeps talking to her. And she has an argument with her with it and doesn't realize, oh, no one can hear you but me. So it's just her in front of everybody she's going to go to school with holding a rabbit, screaming at it. <laughs> That's awesome. She's like, I'm not going to be the crazy kid. And she runs away, basically. <laughs> Um, he's basically like, you need to be the new Shazam because Billy can't. So you're the new Shazam now. And she's oh. like, no, I don't want to. I'm going to college. But he teleports her to a bank robbery. And he's like, you're the only one who can stop him. Also, he throws a, a bank vault at some innocent people. So she has to do it. It's like, say the word. And she's like, all right. <laughs> Shazam. Nice. So oh, dope. dope. She's so great, dude. So she throws it back at him. She stops him. And she's using her powers. It's like kicking hard. And she's like, what the hell? I'm so powerful. 
And the rabbit is like, because you're not sharing the magic system with five other people anymore. Ha. Nice. You have all the power. Yep. So she is Shazam now, basically. The Shazam, that is awesome. The Shazam hero, not the Shazam wizard. Yeah. But basically, she ends up taking the guy out, and she's just like, I'm going to be normal. And she shows up back at school in her normal costume, and she's like, the cops are there. She's like, oh, you know, is this about me talking to the rabbit? Which is a great joke. And it's like, no, your parents are missing. Your foster parents are missing. So, oh, no, they've been kidnapped or something. I love this. This should be an ongoing DC Make one good decision this month and make this an ongoing forever. <laughs> she hasn't had a solo book. How long do you think it's been since Mary Marvel's had a solo book? I mean, I could not tell you. Throw out a number. Years. Yeah. Or at the very least, I keep it alive with like maybe a couple of minis. Like like there's season two that they've been kind of like throwing for like a few books. Like not just four issues. Come on. Like if you're setting her up yeah. to be Shazam, like give her more than four issues. Like prop her up for something more. But no, seriously, I want you to guess. Just throw out a number. How many years do you think it's been since Mary Marvel has had a solo book of any kind? And that sucks because I'm pretty sure it's been none since I've been alive. So I have to start it with at least 30. And that's fucking sad. 70 years. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> so what, what a fucking just bad decision. I love this book. It's fantastic. It should go on forever. It's great. So. Plus, she looks great. She's hot. Yeah. Anyways, moving on. <laughs> so, um, Josue, Batman 126. Oh, <laughs> okay. Batman 126. Fall of the Dark Knights. Fail Safe Part 2. Written by Chip Zdarsky. Art by Jorge Jimenez. Colors by uh, Tommy Moray. Uh, and lettering by Clayton Cowles. It's a cool start. Literally the ba- the backside to all the, all the Robins. All the... All the, sol- oh, yeah, that's dope. all the soldiers, yeah, totally. <laughs> and and it's been him monologuing just like every day. All when the lights when the light retreats, my soldiers come out. So everybody prepping, right? And the last one is Tim uh, Robin, and he fucking stops him. Is <laughs> like, what are you doing? It's like same as you, my fucking job. And it's like, look, I know your word, and it's like, no, you're not fucking ready. And it's like he basically just still wants to stop him. And I love, I do do like the Tim claps back at him. Like the way he claps back at him, because it's like you're not gonna try to guilt me into this. I'm just gonna logic you out of your fucking argument, Batman, because you suck so much sometimes. Because um, yeah, he says, um, yeah, like, uh, look, I didn't start yesterday. You're mad about the, you're mad about a different thing. You're just trying to get your, like, you're just trying to get a win by stopping me from going out. Um, so he leaves, and <laughs> it's like, it's like all like, and you're not, you're not in charge of me. I don't even wear a bat, and it's like, oh yeah, that's true. All the other ones do. Um, so he's back at the Batcave, all pissy, and the cliffhanger from last issue was that the robot showed up. So the robot shows up, and it's a huge fucking fight, and this robot is fast. Like, he's technical, he knows how to fight, knows how to block, and again, he's just too fast for Bruce. Too fast for Bruce that Bruce has to call the Batmobile to go, to, like, leave the Batcave, to autopilot out of the Batcave, so he can grappling hook onto the Batcave and and have have it drag his ass out of the back cave <laughs> and this robot is on him runs it out like the way the batmobile like makes the hard turn out of like into the end into the streets and it does one of those like it, like he doesn't even hold on to it he just like rolls on the fucking street and then he just like puts on the cowl and is like ready for the fight charges at him like he throws bat like batterings at him 
And from like the robot robot's chassis, like there's like ballistics to block them. But instead of just stopping to shoot them off of his chest, he shoots and keeps fucking bolting straight at Batman. Like there's no stopping him. So he's, he's like, oh shit, well, I'll just go up, grappling hook, uh, grappling hook up, up into the sky. He catches the cape and pulls him down into the street and punches his face into the ground. There's no stopping him. Duke shows up. Cassandra and Stephanie shows up. And then one swoop, like, or Duke shows up in a cool front flip and, like, both heel kick, like, like onto, the, onto the head. And Stephanie and Cash show up. And in one move, he picks up the bike and it's like in one swoop takes care of, and one swoop takes care of like one of them kicks the other one and punches the other one, like k- gets all three in one move. It's fucking sweet. Um, again, just goes after Batman. Duke doesn't relent and he just like gets a good kick in the head. And Tim shows up, picks up bats, is like get in the fucking get in the fucking car, dude. You have a concussion. We need to go. And uh, <laughs> so they're escaping. There's no stopping this fucking robot. This robot's pushing fucking 6070 probably and is chasing after the Batmobile. Sorry, I'm late to the party. Shopping from Bloodhaven was killer. <laughs> of course, the boy in blue shows up, ramps off the Batmobile, and sh- and like throws the throws the bike onto the robot, makes it detonate, and now it's all the like at least like all the old Robins. Like there's a dope shot of like the like the backside of all of them into the fire and the robot just emerging. <sighs> The robot, the robot just does a super jump, a super lunge, and just basically just like a Hulk stomps onto the asphalt and knocks everybody down. And then he does like this weird smoke bomb because like he, I guess he went through the asphalt and then just like uppercuts Dick through the through the through the other side of the ground. It's like a such, it's such a um, Mortal Kombat move, and it was it was awesome. It gets. It gets Duke's helmet and scans it. So now it just has informa- bat, bat family information. And yeah, like they're, so they're going to go to this doctor, but the, ro- the ro- I'm pretty sure it's like the doctor for Bruce, but the, ro- the robot beats them, uh, beats them to, to her. Um, so yeah, cause that's like, where, where is he? Batman doesn't go obviously to the doctor, even though he is concussed, he goes back to the bat cave. And Tim is just like, what the fuck are we doing here? Like, you need you need help. And he's like, wait, you like it was like, oh, and Batman's like, I know what I have to do. Like, you do like alone. He just he looks back and gives him like a scowl, like alone. He's like, oh, okay, <sighs> okay, yeah, I know. And it's, it's that small like he wouldn't understand. Like, none of them would. The links I've the links I've gone to, I've softened, surrounded myself with children. But in my early days, God help me. In my early days, I went too far. <laughs> So Tim is just like, Oracle, it's Tim. Barbara, come in. Come, come in. And the monologue, come in, come in. Only one man, only one man could have done this to me. A failsafe for a failsafe. He needs answers, so he, so he fails aside, and I take over. Why do you think Tim is making this face? Uh, um, I don't know. <laughs> Wait, what? Okay. It's me, boy. It's Batman. What? It's fucking Zurin R. <laughs> His. I don't, I don't. I don't know what that is. It was like in the Silver Age comics. It was this like alien that was like a Batman fan, and so he has like this like red, white, red, yellow, and purple cape outfit, and so he's like, "Oh, just be Batman of like on space." That was Silver Age shit. Grant Morrison 
rewrote it back in like in uh, during his run where it's like it's it's, it's Bruce Wayne's just a fierce. It's Bruce Wayne's like just alter ego where he just where okay. he can just like go more unhinged and be more violent to fight this fucking robot. <laughs> I didn't think Chip would would fucking take it to here, and I love him for it. And this is continuity. This <laughs> is canon. <laughs> Was not expecting this, dude. <laughs> it is so fucking good. Sounds wild. <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. <laughs> <laughs> It's one of those silly things from DC, but the fact that he's incorporating it to be part of the real thing. I mean, Grant Morrison did it too, uh, but the way he reworked it, and now it's again being brought up. And I'm so glad that this unhinged Bruce is just like, I need to go there. (laughs) (laughs) That's crazy. Chip Chip is insane. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's talk about some shared books now. Uh, First of all, Multiversity Teen Justice number three. Yes. Written by Ivan Cohen and Danny Lohr. Art by Luciano Vecchio. Color by Enrica Aaron Angelini. And letter by Carlos Mingual. This is my favorite issue so far. It's a, de- it's a delight I'll, of a I'll book. Just start, I'll just start right there. I like the book, but this is definitely my favorite issue so far. Mm-hmm. I like the extended portion with Aqua Girl. Yes. I, I like that the Star Sapphires are the primary rancor <laughs> in this world. And the Green Lanterns are like the douchebags, which I really liked. Um... Also, when in this so- shot where she's re- they're recruiting all the other lanterns and talking yes. to them, I love some of the like you know gender flipped characters that I'm like, oh, I know that one. That's cool. Um, and of course, at the end when we get the reveal, Lady Kilowog is great. Um, <laughs> and then of course that's Kyle. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, the, the mask because of, of his douchey hair and the mask. Yeah. I, I loved it. I thought it was really great. And uh, yeah, <laughs> it's good stuff overall. And then Sinestra, of course, right? Was it Sinestra? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I re- I'm really liking this. I love it. I love the these versions, these characters. Obviously, I love uh, the Kid Quick character. Jess Chambers is great. Oh, totally. Can't wait to see them in the real DC universe at some point. <laughs> um, yeah, I really enjoy it. And I, I'm really digging Dude Raven, too. Oh, yeah, totally. So. Yeah, really cool design. I like the character. So, what do you think? That that was probably my favorite part of the book was uh the the Green Lantern portion or the the Star Sapphire portion of it all, like the the recruiting part because it was it was I feel like there was so much being said, so much being told as far as like mythos in just this two two page splash. I love that it was just like that that she started on the opposite end, like like the 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 quote unquote evil side, but it made sense, like. Like the whole like what is the what does he say uh, going after the yellow lantern because oh uh, because of love overcoming fear and that's such a huge part of like with love like there's so much fear going into loving something someone and then going into just anger and it's like I love the path it took all the way to the end obviously had, of course they had the end to like with the green lantern to be like contrary to like to ours but when you think about it it's just like you don't force someone you don't will someone to loving something so it's kind of like that would be the last step to conquer so i just love yeah. the the world building in this universe it was, again probably my favorite issue so far too yeah really good and i like the love with rage you know yeah it's it's both passion exactly you know? I mean, yes like, i really like that so yeah awesome next up ooh this book has been sneaking up on me as a killer ass book poison ivy number 3 yeah, <laughs> this book is killing it so far. Written by G. Willow Wilson, art by Marcio Takara, 
Colors by Reef Prianto and Letter by Hassan Atzmani El Hau. This one is so good, and the, it's such a simple story of Ivy just helping someone with their garden, <laughs> but also dealing with all the guilt and everything they're doing. And I like that. I love the interior monologue she's going through. Mm-hmm. I love the when the lady reaches out to touch her and she's like, "Don't touch me," and the lady's like offended, but in her head she's just like, "This is how my doubt starts. This is how I start to." try to prevent what I'm doing as soon as I am worried about someone getting harmed by what I do, you know, like that, yeah. that's when, and it's just like, Oh man, that lady has no idea what she's going through. And she deals with the whole, like um, her powers out of control. The plants grow very quickly. It's really, really good. And it was very contained. It was all just this one little spot, basically. Um, man, what a book. This, this is incredible. And we also get a, a shot of, or was it him, uh, the Floronic Man, mm-hmm. who is uh, the one who created her, and I believe is a Swamp Thing villain. Um, so yeah, really interesting. Really, really like this. I love the art. I love her portrayal of the use of her related characters like Harley and the Gardener and stuff like that. Really, really interesting. I'm very curious to see where it goes and how she can possibly get out of this. You know what I mean? Like, right? Like, what's it after seems a pretty this? terminal problem. Yeah. Yes. So, what do you think? I love the unpredictability of this book. Like, we know her mission. Like, she's set to just not fuck the world, just us. And rightfully so. And rightfully so. In the last issue, like, the, the whole diner sequence, like, whatever, even even she did, even if she did bond with that criminal, even if she did like the diner dude, everybody just went. So, I was expecting, I was coming to say, like, oh, it's, there's going to be a dark turn here. Like, there wasn't there there isn't like the only dark turn to have the only dark weird part it was was a part of like the the self-inflicting shaming part where it's just like that part was brutal as hell yeah but it was like oh is, is she really gonna go after this lady too where it's like she she has obviously has such a passion for the green as well and she didn't she she left her with her own little piece of eden so it's kind of like the unpredictability of this book is just really really fucking good because yeah i don't know where it could go where it's gonna lead or what's the future for poison ivy because now i just want her to stay for forever. <laughs> Yeah, it's going to be interesting. And it's just curious because her whole goal is to wipe out humanity. Mm-hmm. Well, Harley's a part of humanity. Yeah. And that's kind of been looming over things. And I'm mm-hmm. wondering. Yeah. So. All right. Next up. I know Josue is excited. Oh, yeah. Aquaman Andromeda number two. Written by Ram V. Art by Christian Ward. Letters by Aditya Bidikar. I love this. This needs to be a movie. Oh right. I don't I don't usually insist comics be adapted to other mediums. This needs to be a movie. Like this would be an incredible film with the right director. Yeah. Um obviously we're dealing with this underwater exploration. They found a ship that appears to be alien in origin and they run into some people down there including Arthur in his creepiest form ever. <laughs> like he looks pretty creepy his eyes especially. Mm-hmm. And also, we have to deal with Black Manta and everything going on there. There's a lot of like backstabbery going on. Like it's there's different people playing different sides, and whatever is there is affecting people's emotions and causing them to go out of control, do do things they wouldn't normally do. So it's and that's blamed in one line on the deaths. If you go down this deep, you're never the same. But obviously, there's something else going on. But uh, it's so good. It's visually gorgeous, incredible, <laughs> dark, terrifying. 
just very, very, very good. I love this book. I, is there only one left? I mean, th- that's usually the case with these Black Label books. Um, I mean, yeah. uh, except for Catwoman Lonely City. That's the only oh, one. and I got this cover, by the way. Oh, same. Um, yeah, okay. Lonely City is the only one that, I, that I've known to go to be up to four, uh, but they all usually round up to three. Yeah. I love it. What? Yeah, what do you think? Uh, this is one of those like sweet ones I got to read early, like, just because like the early shipment at the store, and it's like, well, I'm definitely going to pick out this one. I, I want to do the other... I want to read the other uh, DC books too, but it's like, this had to be number one. And yeah, I just, I just love these depths. I, I love like the, the last issue we had, like the fucking cracking. That was just so terrifying, but I love the mystery. I love, I love that. It's not just like superheroes in your face. It's not just Aquaman in your face. Like he's the mystery. I love like It's like the little that we see of him is like, are my favorites. This giant page of him rescuing. was just like, yeah. So good. Like, Christian Ward just keeps it just so bottled, but but when he lets it loose, it's just like you, you're almost like scared of to drown in this book. It's just it's fuck. I love this book too so much. <laughs> yeah, I love how he looks more of the sea. Yes, like he's evolved down being down there probably for so long. Yeah, he's got shit growing on him and stuff like that <laughs> makes sense. So yeah, great book. It's fantastic. All right, we only got two DC books left. I got one last solo, which is Harley Quinn number eighteen, and I got this cover. Because I couldn't oh, resist myself. That's a really cute one, yeah. It's, it's the old Batman and Robin homage, which I really like. I love this because in my head, this Batman look was followed shortly by a double take. Because it's almost like he's looking over to see Robin and he's like, wait, what? <laughs> like, really like, nice. I like that. So, I love that. Okay, this answers some questions for me. Oh, okay. R- written by Stephanie Phillips, art by Georges Duarte. So, Riley is officially done. Mm-hmm. Colors by Romeo Alfajardo Jr. and Letter by Ann World. Um, I actually really like this issue. And it's still got the same voice, obviously, with Stephanie writing it. So I'm really enjoying the book. Um, you might remember last issue, Verdict was saved by um, Killer Frost and uh, Bronze Tiger. Okay, yeah. And it said, next up, Task Force X. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, this is Task Force X, basically. They kidnap Harley Quinn as well. Uh, it's the two of them uh, heart fighting Harley Quinn, trying to capture her, and then um, they're joined by Dreadbolt, who is the one who actually stops her. And then you find out that Lashina of the Female Furies from Apocalypse is also a member, and Verdict, who they obviously recruited, is another member. And you find out who is in charge of it. And this one, I was like, I love this story already. <laughs> it's Luke Fox, formerly known as Batwing. Oh, no shit. Yeah, and he's basically like, I I was basically doing, I was trying to make a difference with somebody else's vision and not my own. And so he's basically like, you know, you can, jo- you can shoot Joker in the face, but it's much harder to shoot issues like homophobia or systematic racism. Which Harley replied, maybe, but I'm more than willing to give it a shot, which is great. Uh, so basically he's like, I need your help and I'll pay you. And she's like, what? And it's a stupid amount of money. And they basically, this is tying into Dark Crisis, where Harley, um, or where, since Justice League is dead, their base on the moon has a bunch of shit there, including uh, an experiment that's basically mutating out of control, and they need to stop it. Hmm. So he's like, we're going to send you there. And, so the, and the best part was, you'll love this, he's like... Um, He's like, yeah, it shows the amount of money. We don't see it. But she's like, holy crap. And 
He's like, so I assume that means you'll be joining us? She goes, on just one more condition. And they add the final member of the team. Your boy, Solomon Grundy. Oh, my God. In space. My boy gets to go to space. Oh, that's awesome. The description is Solomon Grundy. Big, strong, and dead. Love this guy. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I love that Grundy is like her answer to everything. It's so good. That's awesome. Um, But they launch off in space, and they immediately get attacked by a missile. So that's where we're let off. I already like this arc. It's going to be great. That's cool. (laughs) And then our final book for DC. Dark Crisis on Infinite Earth number three. Uh, I got the Red Canary cover. Oh, that's a cute one. Yeah. Um, okay. There are some things happening in this one. So let's do the creative team. Script by Joshua Williams. Pencils by Daniel Sampier. Inks by Daniel Sampier, Daniel Henriques, and Danny Miki. That's three Dans doing the inks, by the <laughs> way. Um, colors by Alejandro Sanchez and letter by Tom Napolitano. Their, their work emails must be very confusing. So <laughs> it's like, hey, Dan, can you do this for me? So um, maybe they only hired one of them and accidentally CC'd the others and had to actually pay them because they all started <laughs> working on it. Anyways, I'm being funny. Anyways, so um, Dark Crisis. The first thing we see is that Beast Boy is in critical condition and Nightwing feels guilty. I'm still very confused because I thought Beast Boy was an illusion from Teen Titans Academy because him and Cyborg are still combined. Uh Uh-huh. And it was just an illusion to give him a separate body. They're still... I'm confused by that. (laughs) But okay. Um, Also, zero updates on the Chupacabra. Aw. Nothing. So hopefully he's fine. Um... But yeah, basically the uh, the Teen Titans are basically like we're going to do these different things. We're, here's what we're going to do to solve problems, and we get to check in with the Justice League. And Black Adam is attempting to train the, this new Justice League, and it doesn't go great because he wants them to kill people, and they're like, "Yeah, we don't do that." And it's like, well, "What fucking good are you?" Basically, <laughs> like so, it's great. And then he's about to kill Count Vertigo, and then. Our girl strolls in, stops him. Yara Floor tells Black Adam to hit the fucking brick. Did you read this? No. Oh, I thought you did. Shit, dude. No, I mean, like, um, might as well save him for the end. Like, this is like the this is a big one. She shows up and basically tells him to hit the bricks. That's fucking awesome. Yeah. She previously said she was not going to join the Justice League. Yes, right. But she's like, she's like, fuck it. After what happened to the Titans, I want to help. Basically. And then Damien's like, this isn't going to work anyway. (laughs) (laughs) It's great. So, dude, there's so many big page reveals in this issue. I can't wait for you to read it. Well, I mean, I'm going to tell you about them, but yeah. They're like, um, you know, they're talking about what a Justice League is. It gives hope. And Robin says maybe that's why they died. And they're just sitting there quietly. And then someone off screen says, sorry to interrupt, but if there's no Justice League, how about a society? Ah, sick as fuck. (laughs) Yes. Oh. <laughs> I know I got chills the first time I was like, <gasps> like so uh, we'd love to help you young people don't mind some old timers lending a hand and so it's like all of them like all the new ones all the old ones which means they have Supergirl and Superboy on the team as well as Power Girl they have three fucking Kryptonians on this team <laughs> so that's a powerful ass team um, Deathstroke uh, something's going on with Deathstroke so Ravager breaks in to stop him and you can't see him, and she sees his face, and he does this. 
Uh-huh. Like pukes this black stuff all over the bad guys. Yeah. Almost like a symbiote. So we don't know what's happening there. The Green Lanterns reveal or they're they're talking about how uh Necron was one of the bad guys that was with uh with Pariah mm-hmm. uh, when they killed the Justice League and they're like, Well, we just found a big restored black lantern in the middle of space. Oh fuck. Which is bad news bears. So they send in um Hal, Kyle, and Joe, and the rest like defended. They go in, long story short, they have a fight. It doesn't end, but Hal tries to grab a thing and it eradicates him. Wait, what? No. Yeah. But then he's back. Huh. And this might be a hint of what happened to the Justice League because that's what it looked like when they died. Oh. He's like, my ring is gone. And he looks around, but maybe I can borrow one. Look at this city. Ooh, shit. Yeah. And some people show up to stop him. And this is what they look like. So, like a whole Green Lantern team. And Black Adam gets frustrated at the Justice League and leaves the Justice League. Mm -hmm. And he's like, they're not willing to kill. And you see him go to a swamp. Oh. And he's he's like, you are aware of what has happened, right? And yeah, Deathstroke's out of control. He's like, the heroes left behind don't understand. They didn't see what I saw. The Justice League is never returning. I thought I could push the young heroes to do what needed to be done. They are too concerned with hope. I believe it is time for doom. Oh, shit. No, wait, what? <laughs> now, now, here's... I love this reveal. I And once I got a chance to sit and pick it apart, I had two things that happened to me. First thing I thought was, oh my god, the new Scarecrow is the Batman villain. Fuck yeah. Right? Oh, cool. Instead of Joker, because Joker and Legion Doom never made any fucking sense. Why would they ever trust him? True. And then I looked on the other side of the page, and there's fucking punchline. Yeah. Like, fuck off. Like, ugh, I hate her so much. Um, But yeah, dude. The Legion of Doom. So now we got the Justice League and the Justice Society combined. We got the Legion of Doom. We got Deathstroke's forces. And we got Pariah and all these incredibly powerful bad guys. This is going to be one gigantic fucking fight. That's, That's not even counting the Teen Titans. Like, yeah, so I loved it. It was good. I just wish Punchline wasn't involved. That's And I want to know if Chupacabra is okay. Please, Josh, just send me a little DM. That's all I want to know. So, uh, Yep, so that's it for DC. You ready to move on to Marvel? Yes. Okay. Let's talk about the new Fantastic Four, number three. Um, written by Peter David. I'm already reading it before I got to the page. It's unfortunate. There we go. Written by Peter David. Art by Alan Robinson. Color by Mike Spicer. And letter by Joe Carmagna. In the last issue, uh, the Human Torch was uh, possessed by a demon. And he's about to wreck shit. And then literally, uh, Grey Hulk does his little clap thing and blows out his fire. <laughs> Basically, immediately. It was great. Um, we get a lot of Joe fix it in here. But the highlight of this book for me is Reed and Sue are at home. And there's this amazing scene where it's Are you sure that are you sure that Franklin's asleep? Yes, honey. And it's like Right? She goes, Oh God. Doctor Strange is in their bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> Being a fucking perv. He's like, Is this a bad time? And like three panels later, she comes out with a robot and she goes, yes. He goes, guess what? She goes, yes, it was a bad time. <laughs> like, But basically, he's like, hey, where's Johnny? They're like, uh. <laughs> basically, is the whole point of the scene. 
Um, yeah, so it's continuing. Ghost Rider gets free. He's going to rejoin the group. We'll see what happens. It was a building issue, so it was really good, though. Next up, another one I know so he's very excited to talk about. This is the most insane book I've read in a while from Marvel. Let's just throw that out there. Ghost Rider number five. Oh, fuck yeah, dude. <laughs> Written by Benjamin Percy. Drawn by Corey Smith. Inked by Orange Jr. Colored by Brian Valenzo. Letter by Travis Lanham. I assumed this was a fucking fever dream in his, <laughs> in his head. Ghost Rider has to go to this motorcycle race. And it turns out this motorcycle race is basically if you win, you have a chance to talk with the devil. And all these people with reasons to talk to the devil show up. And then just in the first yeah. picture, Dracula, Blade, Fury, Man-Thing, in a Man-Thing-styled motorcycle, which is fucking great. <laughs> Our girl Tabitha, boom, boom, is right there. Doctor Doom, fucking, I believe that's Machine Man behind him. Uh, Rhino, Moon Knight, Electra. There's a billion of these people. And they're all going to have a motorcycle race. Like, all these sworn enemies are just agreeing to have a motorcycle race. Of course, they're going to take shots at each other, but still, it's great. Uh, also, my girl Boom Boom took out some people, which is great. Yeah. Um, but it mostly is about Ghost Rider and Wolverine. And have them basically competing, but also working together. And the whole idea is that they have to end the race. And Wolvie is able to blow up the, like, the thing to end the race and everything, but Ghost Rider is getting pulled in. And then we find out who is the bad guy behind all this, which is very interesting. Because he recently made an appearance in Hellcat Iron Man Annual Number 1, which is Blackheart. Yes! Blackheart making moves. Now, Blackheart, for most people out there, is that character from Marvel vs. Capcom that you remember. Yes! <laughs> That's where I got introduced to him, and I fell in love with him, because I just love that design. Yeah. So it's pretty cool, obviously, with this, all this insanity, all these characters and everything. What did you think of the book? I, like, I just, I couldn't believe it at first because it was like, I just had to keep turning the page. But it was like in the very beginning when he's getting it rolling into town. And it's like at the top panel, it's like, wait, is that Loki? And at first I thought it was uh, Fury, but it was, uh, it's, I think it's Red Skull. But it was like, I, I, and my brain went to like, is there, is there going to be like a, a convention in town? Like, is, is that where we're going with the story? And then it just, no. It just got so much fucking better. Moon Knight just racing to not even win just to fuck it up for other demons <laughs> is the most Moon Knight fucking thing ever. <laughs> My favorite thing was the race starts, they move forward, and Doctor Doom immediately blasts the guy next to him. <laughs> like, I want to know who that was so bad. <laughs> it was so funny. I was like, yeah. He's like, I love the idea that Doctor Doom, ruler of Latveria, Okay. Man who once controlled the universe because he had the Beyonder's powers is in a motorcycle race. (laughs) Because he knows. Obviously, because he has the most motivation because his mother was in hell. Mm -hmm. So obviously, it makes sense. But it's just hilarious. He's a man of rituals. Like, he knows he can just fly over there and, like, meet this devil, but it's not going to grant him the wish that he wants. He He needs to race for it. I just love it. I love the idea that he would lower himself to a fucking motorcycle race. It's fantastic. <laughs> and I, and I so. love this Blackheart because the last time I saw Blackheart in continuity uh, was during Rick Remender's Venom run. And it's like he was mm-hmm. trying to take over uh, uh, Las Vegas. And there's this whole crossover oh, yeah. with uh, ben, like Agent Venom, Red Hulk, uh, Laura, and who was the third? Wait, Venom, Red Hulk, Laura. And there was a, there was a fourth. There was a fourth. Fuck. 
Oh, and Ghost Rider. It was Ghost Rider, but it was like the the very short lived girl girl Ghost Ghost Rider, and it was like, ah. gotcha. All right, from one great Marvel book to another, Moon Knight number fourteen. Yes. Uh, written by Jed McKay, drawn by Alessandro Capuccio, colored by Rochelle Rosenberg, and lettered by Corey Petit. I'm not even going to go through everything. Um, this was basically an interior monologue slash therapy session in his head between Moon Knight and Jake and Steven. Mm-hmm. And basically revealing how he's been holding them back, the deal they, the deal he forced them to make, and everything, and the realization that he can't do everything alone. And basically, there's a fight going on while this conversation is happening, and that's the whole issue. And it was really fucking good. Like, I really liked this issue. Like, it had a really good point. I love the bit with, with Reese, where it's like, you don't want to tell Reese you have DID because you're afraid of scaring her away, but what if she's not scared away? And it's, it was just really emotional and very much a character study, and I really loved that. I thought it was so fucking good. Um, and I love that Moon Knight has two absolutely incredible artists right now mm-hmm. that if one of them is not there, the other is there and their style is similar enough and it always works. Right. So I, I always love the art. So yeah, I loved this book. What'd you think? This issue was, this is a, this is a very strong issue. No, because at first I didn't know when the fight was happening, but when you realize it, it's like, Oh, it's just one glorified, um, inner monologue. And in the best way, God, this, this book just like just killed it, and especially like that that part where where they bring up race too. Was I really like? There's like, yeah, like you don't bring up your DID, but it's like she's perfectly fine. Like she doesn't ignore her vampirism around you or ever. Like she's she still owns up to it while while still working with you. And it's just like, yeah, I, I love I loved all of these callouts. It was like even Steven is like I love Steven's call call back to like the old comics. Me like, bro, you lost all my fucking money. <laughs> like what the fuck. <laughs> I like I like the callback to Bushman too. Mm-hmm. Like we're not the ones that carved off Bushman's face. I'm like, oh. fuck yeah, you're not. Like, because Bushman was like, Bushman was his main villain. It was his green, uh, green goblin. Oh, okay. And in the first issue of that Moon Knight run, he fucking carved the dude's face off. <laughs> like it was basically telling you this is a different story. And I-, I thought that was really cool at the time. Yeah, it's obviously a bit gruesome for a lot of people, but that was a really good run. I liked that run. So, man, but, yeah. dope, dope issue, very dope issue. I, I, I yeah. I like that it was like a very honest conversation with yourself with with himself. Yeah, definitely. All right. Now the return yes. is something we loved. I'm so yes. excited. Demon Wars, the Iron Samurai number one. Josue, what cover did you get? Um I got this one cover A, of course, because it's like the perfect poster movie like a movie poster. But of course, like I've been just saying before, you bet your ass if there's a Mateo Scalera cover, I'm gonna get it. I did not get either of those covers. Ooh, I got the Civil War homage cover. Oh, I, I, I honestly didn't even see that one. That, that wasn't even in the shop. That was really yeah. cool. Yeah, I was like, oh yeah, I'm getting that. Like that's so cool. So, story and art by Peach Moko, co-script by Zach Davison with lettering by Ariana Mayer. We have the return of Mariko, and basically, what's going to happen in the next next adventure? I loved this book. I thought it was really great. Um, we get to see Iron Samurai, which is obviously a play on Iron Man, um, and multiple other characters. 
I, I'm assuming the other one is is Falcon or Mockingbird. I haven't been able to really make up my mind. I want to say it's Falcon because like he's wearing a mask. You can definitely see the dark skin under underneath the mask. Oh, that's a good point. I didn't even think about it that way. So, um, but yeah, and it's just really cool. I love how hungry she is the entire time. That's funny. <laughs> that's a good character design. Yeah. Um, we get to see Carnage, which we saw before with his head cut off, and he's basically causing big problems in the multiverse right now. And then we get to see this sleek ass motherfucking Black Widow or Black Panther. So cool. Love it. So dope looking. Like anamorphic, like Panther. Double as tail. Black like, he's so cool good. design. Yeah. But it's just a tease, and it seems like she's going to travel back and forth between the real world and this fantasy world, which I think is a cool idea. With a um, little help of a strange doctor. Yes. <laughs> so. <laughs> I really liked it. What do you think? I'm so happy that this book is back. I, I love like I, I love the way Peach has just been exploring um, Japanese stories with our Marvel comics, and this has just been such a delight. It, I love that it, it's not a beat for beat of like the Civil War that we know. Like she's like she's bar- she's influenced uh, from it, but she's like doing her own thing. And I'm just, I'm just God, I'm so happy she's getting her she's getting books doing these yes. these original stories. Yeah, not just covers. Not just covers, yeah, not just one shots, like good little minis. Definitely. All right, now we're going to travel over to a galaxy far, far away as Keith very briefly talks about Star Wars, the Halcyon Legacy number five. This is the end of the Halcyon Legacy. This is the one that is built or uh, created as a tie in to the Galactic Star Cruiser attraction at Disney World. So it's sort of the story of the hotel you could stay in, which is a spaceship. <laughs> yeah. Written by Ethan Sachs, art by Will Sliney, colors by Rochelle Rosenberg, and letter by Joe Sabino. And basically, they're just telling like flashbacks of this of this ship. And this one features a lot of the bounty hunters, uh, which was really great. Uh, Zuckus obviously was there. Fan favorite Zuckus. Love me some Zuckus. Forlom, a couple others. It's fun. Uh, long story short, they found a guy who was who owed a lot of money, but he he, he basically used all that money to pay for the room on the ship for up to a hundred years for his, his love, his girlfriend, they were on the ship together. Well, the, the uh, bounty hunters took him away and she never knew what happened to him, but he paid for it. So she could stay on the ship basically for a hundred years. So she's been there this entire time as a passenger, but a permanent passenger basically. So it was really cool. I really dug it. Um, It was a good way to wrap it up. I like these little flashback stories. I like a lot of, you know, fan favorite characters coming back, which is always fun, especially Zuckus. Zuckus is great. So yeah, good stuff. But now we're going to swing over to the streets of New York, be it in a futuristic hellscape, be it (laughs) in a fucking capitalist hellscape (laughs) or be it across the whole spider verse. It's time to talk about some Spidey books. I am very excited because me and Josue have never gotten a chance to talk about a subject of mine that is very dear to my heart. Oh, nice. Spider-Man 2099 Exodus number five, introducing X-Men 2099. Yes. I will tell you this. This is not the X-Men of 2099 exactly that was in the series. Okay. Um, there, If I remember correctly, unless I missed an issue or something in my head, None of the original X-Men were in the 2099 version. They were all original characters. Okay. So there's a couple in this Bloodhawk, um, 
Oh god, what's the fire dude's name? The um the one with the flame head. Damn it. <laughs> I'm pulling the roster. Um Skullfire. Skullfire. Skullfire, Cerebra, Crystalline, uh, and Bloodhawk, and I think Tolkis are X Men twenty ninety nine. The okay. rest were added for this purpose. Um there's North Star, which is not our North Star, for the record. <laughs> but based on his design and I'm looking at the hair. Maybe is North Star like like a son? Maybe oh, I got gotcha. you because he does look kind of like a combination of him and Kyle so. a little bit. Yeah, uh, just chubby, which I love. Uh, we also have a Phoenix, and it's very left out there which Phoenix it is. Um, and uh, I'm doing this in a specific order for a reason. <laughs> we have Cyclops, but it's not our Cyclops. We have Deadpool, but it's not our Deadpool. We have Cable. It's it is our Cable. <laughs> and we have, oh, just, this is one of my favorite things about this character. When Marvel does it, we have Rogue. Yeah. As the living legacy. <laughs> now, did you read Age of X? No. You have to read it. It's an alternate reality set during the San Francisco era. Mm-hmm. And it's the one where they revealed that Le- that uh, that Frenzy was in love with Cyclops in that world. Okay. It's an alternate reality. It's very much like Age of Apocalypse, but it's called Age of X. Mm-hmm. And in that world, her name, I want to say it was Legacy, actually. And her whole thing was, if a mutant was about to die, she would permanently absorb their personality and powers so they could live on forever. And that's how they interpreted Rogue in this. That's, that's what I caught on with, like, the way she remembers then the, with the person is like, oh, is, yeah. is that how it's played out with like the absorption? And yeah, that, that, that's fucking awesome. It's the coolest. You could do a solo series with her doing that and it'd be fucking amazing. Yeah. So, so basically, yeah, she, she has access to so many different powers as long as she remembers the person. She has to bring them back up to her memory. And so like she remembers uh, Vought and then gives herself a boost from Cortez. Oh. So that was so dope. Like, uh, my favorite, obviously, remembering Dupe. Yeah, dude, Hathaway, of course. <laughs> which means Dupe died, by the way. <laughs> like, so that's sad. But confirmed uh, mutant. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, so basically, uh, it's the X Men 2099 trying to stop these Sentinels because they want to take control of the land where the Celestial landed. They think it should be theirs. And we just see a bunch of the characters. It's a lot of fun to see them in action. Um, Bloodhawk is fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. He's so 90s, though. Yeah. He might as well be in Rob Layfield's Young Blood, but I love it anyways. I don't give a shit. You should really read X-Men 29 if you get a chance, because you'll fucking love it. But Spider-Man shows up, of course, and is like, we'll help you out. So they help them out. They're able to stop the bad guys, but then the, ba- the real bad guy shows up. Norman Osborn's at the door, brought all of his friends, and we're coming to our finale. Spider-Man and X-Men 2099 against Norman Osborn and all his cronies. This has been so much fucking fun. I love X-Men 2099. It's just so weird and good. And it's just fantastic. It reminds me of the the alternate future where, where Beak's grandson, I want to say, or dad. Or I mean, no, grandson or son. Tito. Where he's like a full-on bird and he's a badass. Oh shit! No. Like, oh my god, it's really cool. It's only like three issue run, 
but it's like a future where yeah, one of Beak's kids ends up being like a badass. That's awesome. And he talks about he talks about what a hero his his dad was or his granddad, whatever. And Wolverine's like he was like a hundred pounds, like he couldn't do shit. What are you talking <laughs> about? Like it's great. It's such a great one. But anyways, it reminds me of that like this weird future thing, and you can kind of think of like oh, who are they related to? Maybe they're descended from certain people. Then you throw in the rogue bit and the Cyclops bit, who had an amazing, cool moment. It's just. It's not really like X-Men. It did not feel like an X-Men story, and that's what I love about it. That's it's cool. completely different. What do you think? This was like a lot of fun. I, I, I was you kept teasing about the 2099 X-Men. I've, I've been uh, and I was waiting for to be familiarized with, to be familiar with them. And yeah, it was cool. Like because it didn't really feel like a mutant, like a, like it's like that different, or it didn't feel like feel like um, our mutant stories. But at the same time, it is kind of them on the run. I love that we got this cable. It. it I love that out of everyone like new or old or legacy characters that this is still our cable <laughs> just because yes, of right. because of depending on when this is still our cable. <laughs> and I love that you just don't question it because it just it's supposed to make sense. Yeah, um, he, he might as well be there. Why not? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> this is the future. Why not? Um, and I was actually and I, I enjoyed this really broody um, Cyclops just to finally get his reveal on like him going all out. And I like that. It just I like that. It just wasn't just this like red panel to just obliterate everything. Like the way I'm still trying to make sense on how this page warped with like his eyesight. It was it was really fucking cool the way it worked. Yeah, it's really cool. I loved it. Uh, so good. But oh, and also, you might really like um, Bloodhawk. Another thing about him is he's very much desert south- southwest. Oh, he's sick. very much like that's his area. And he never really joins the X Men. Mm-hmm. He kind of like helps and is like, but I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm going to join her kind of person. You know what I mean? Nice. So I love him. He's great. So I want to read my X Men 2099, but I know no one else likes it. Like, it's great. <laughs> so, but yeah. All right. And then next up. Gather the band, Spider Band, Spider Band, Spider Punk. I got this cover, obviously. Um, written by Cody Ziegler, art by Justin Mason, colored by Jim Charlampitas, letter by Travis Lanham. They made it to DC, and holy crap, it's worse than they thought. <laughs> like, um, and they just kind of have to do their thing. So they show up, they break into the underground bunker, and there is Norman Osborn. In a robot suit with Venom on his head, because all he is is a head at this point. <laughs> Officer Venom, which definitely looks like Flash. I think so. Just because uh, it's like the Asian Venom suit. Yeah, War Sentry, which is War Machine with a Sentry symbol. That is the scariest, terrifying. That's the scariest fucking thing ever. <laughs> and Taskmaster's back, of course, so because he never goes away. And yeah, long story short, they get their asses handed to them. They lose. And the bad guys are going to publicly execute them, but they haven't yet. It's the next issue. Um, there was uh, one shout out I really liked. When I'm trying to find it, if I can, with all the musical references and stuff that we've been seeing, I've been trying to keep an eye out for them. Mm. But um, yeah, Norman Norman doing the "You Fought the Law" and the Law One is funny to me because <laughs> yeah. it's like. It's the kind of song Norman would pick to reference. Like, yeah. I like the, that was great. So, yeah. What'd you think? I mean, I, yeah. The, the part that went up for me was, uh, oh God, Taskmaster's, um, suplex on cab yeah, was just like 100%. brutal. <laughs> so good. But yeah, the, the, I, like, love what, it. I was reading the, the, like, I, I was having fun reading, uh, his henchmen or his, um, his team until I got to War Center. And it's like, 
we thought about that one, right? Like that's that's just overpowered as fuck. <laughs> I hope it's just a name. I mean, no, you would totally. have obliterated them in a second. Yeah, like a war century. Like I get it, but it's just like but when you add those powers, like maybe the war machine isn't like the strong part, but you don't just add century to any combine century with anything, especially with that symbol. Like yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. Still adding it. And our final eight-legged book of the week is Edge of Spider-Verse. I had to get this fucking cover. Oh, that is adorable. I actually forgot to read this. <laughs> oh, shit. Okay, well, it's it's an anthology. So, oh, okay. It's an ongoing tale about the end of the Spider-Verse, but told from the tale of multiple different Spideys. Okay. So there's multiple different stories here. I'll run through the creative teams really quick. Um, first one, Dan Slott, Martin Kokolo, Brian Reaver, Jor Carmagna. Actually, Brian Reber and Joe Carmagna do all the letters and colors, so we'll just skip them for the rest. <laughs> uh, next one, Alex Segura, Chao Majado. Next one, Carlos Pacheco and Pere Perez. And last one, Dustin Weaver and DJ Bryant. So the first one is Spider Laird from Earth 1740, and it's a Revolutionary War era Spider-Man. And he cute. I give him oh. that. He cute. Yeah, he is. And it's him fighting redcoats, basically. <laughs> and then and then Madam Webb shows up and is like, yo, you're one of us. And then she bombs away. So um, next up is our girl yes. back. Yes. Wait, in the 616? Yes. Oh. Anya, Anya Corazon back as Aranya, no less. Uh, she actually makes a point about that, how she's like she was Spider-Girl, but now she's Aranya. And yeah. Um, she's talking about struggling, balancing to keep her her school life and superhero life and everything. Um, and her powers start kind of fritzing out on her and she gets this tattoo. It comes back, which Ooh. she had when she first got her powers. Okay. And so Madam Web keeps popping in and out of her head and stuff like that. At one point she loses her power. She keeps getting her ass kicked because she's losing her powers. And her outfit's messed up, so Madam Web sends her to somebody named um, Web Weaver, who we haven't met yet. And it says, um, who is Web Weaver? Find out in Edge of Spider-Verse number five. So, but basically they can make costumes, and they make her a new costume. Aww. And it looks like this. Oh, that looks so fun. Right, I really like it. So yeah, I'm a fan. So she um she fights a bad guy, and she almost blacks out again, and then she realizes that her power, it's mutating. She's going back to her like totemic power level, oh. where she was the spider totem, mm-hmm. and so she just whips this chick's ass, and then Madam's like, "Cool, now we need to go. Come with me," and just teleports her away. Then we meet. Spider Rex. <laughs> and it's exactly what you think it is. Yep. <laughs> it is a spider T Rex. Oh, is that what the inflatable ones are? That were Comic Con with the Mohawk? Oh, I didn't even think about that. Dude. Maybe. <laughs> His name is Patir Patarker. Oh my god. Because <laughs> it's Yeah. And he's fighting like other uh dinosaurs, clearly. The best part, easily the best image in this entire book, maybe of all time, is just because he's a, a T-Rex doesn't mean he doesn't shoot webs. But a what? T-Rex has tiny arms. <laughs> no. 
So it looks like this. Oh my god. It's the best thing that's ever happened to the visual medium. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. He, he So when he swings, his arms are so tightly oh held my god. to his body. Jeez. It's the cutest thing in existence. I love it. Okay, that so is much. like that has to be the strongest web, like web fluid. <laughs> so he he beats up a bunch of people, and he learns with great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> and then it cuts to uh, cuts to uh, Anya going, "What the fuck was that?" <laughs> like, so, yeah. And then there's a Spider Noir story at the end, which is pretty good. I'm not a big Spider Noir fan, nice, okay. So. But yeah, so they're just setting up all these different ones coming together for the big crossover. So cool. very cool. I love it. Which takes us to our little home over in Krakoa. Let's talk about some X-Men books right now. X-Men, House of 92, number three. I got this variant cover because I really liked it. That is a nice cover. I did pass yeah. by that one. Yeah. So, did you read this? No. I was like, I know you missed the last issue. So, Written by Steve Fox, art by Salva Espen. Colored by Israel Silva and letter by Joe Savino. They're literally taking the piss out of the Krakoan era and just make, doing everything that's happening in Krakoa, but in this world instead. And okay. the way it's happening is different. Um, so, yeah. Basically, someone attacks... Um, someone attacks... Uh, someone kills one of the Krakoans. And Wolverine's called to go help and looks and it's it's forearm. And he's like, all this fuss over forearm? <laughs> Which is fantastic, right? So, uh, him and or Forearm and Arclight uh, were exploring, and they ended up teleporting to through a gate, a mysterious gate they'd never seen, and they're quote walking into some nerd's tabletop campaign, and then Forearm got killed, and she was sent back with a message, and it is Archon who is. <laughs> Who is the character, I promise. <laughs> I didn't make him up. Uh, so basically, he's like, Mutes um, Krakoa, I am Archon, etc., etc., etc. I issue a challenge to Apocalypse, supposedly the strongest of all mutants. Many eons ago, Krakoa was joined to Eriko, a land of hardy warrior mutants, and I have conquered your island's lost twin and now desire a complete set. But I'm a fair tyrant, and my new bride has asked that we give you a sporting chance. I suggest to you a ritual crossing of swords. <laughs> I will I will choose ten warriors to represent my realm against Apocalypse's ten mightiest champions. Uh you basically same same stakes as always, right? Yeah. So Apocalypse's team. <laughs> okay. It's Apocalypse. Mm-hmm. It, it's Archangel. It's Psylocke. Quan and Psylocke. Uh, it's Rogue. It's Cy- Cyclops. It's Wolverine. It's Nightcrawler. It's Storm. With the funniest looking sword, and I'll show you in a moment. It's Shatterstar and it's Silver Samurai. Here's Storm's sword. You can see it pretty clearly in her hand. It's a lightning bolt. She's just holding a lightning <laughs> that's bolt. That's awesome. <laughs> so, that's the team, right? Oh, and also, um, oh god, what's his name? Um, this is how much he matters. Is I don't remember his name, Solar. So he's also one of them, right? So we find out who is 
Archon's representatives. Eric the Red. Juggernaut. Pestilence, War, and Famine. Miss Marvel. As in Carol Miss Marvel. Uh Uh-huh. Sauron. Lady Deathstrike. Archon. Arcade. And Brood Your Brood. What? Do you remember? Do yeah. you remember our boy? Yeah. Yeah. It's Brood Your Brood. It's the Brood. Oh, as him. the Pog Your Pog, dude. Oh, yeah, my yeah. fucking God. This is him in the background. <laughs> also, also, Juggernaut just has a hammer. It's not even a sword. <laughs> so it's great. So they're fighting, and because it's the animated universe, it's like. Carol is like, I'm an Avenger, but I can still hold a grudge against you, Rogue, and they're just fighting and stuff. It's funny. Uh, Solar dies immediately. Immediately. Like, the first thing that happens is he gets killed. It's hilarious. Um, But yeah, then Brood Your Brood fights Betsy, and it's talking to her, and it's making like, weird jokes where it's like, hey, are you British in this reality? Like, I want to skip over the problematic body swap stuff. And then the eye pops out and it's fucking Deadpool inside Brood Your Brood's head. What the fuck's going on? <laughs> and he says, yeah, yeah, I know I wasn't really doing the meta thing in 92, but this is so far out of continuity anyways. <laughs> They're just fucking having fun and it's great. Um, So yeah, basically uh, she's able to stop Deadpool. It comes down to Apocalypse versus Archon, right? Mm-hmm. And it's fucking great. Watch, just look at this. Like, so it's like it's between the two of them, right? It's like, all right, let's do this. Oh, <laughs> Jesus Christ! Apocalypse just takes the dude's head off immediately, and we find out who the bride. Was. Oh no, no, wait. no! His head comes off. It wasn't Apocalypse. Do that. We found out who his new bride was that he was talking about, and it's Genesis, Apocalypse's wife. But she looks exactly like Apocalypse, just with boobs, which is fantastic. <laughs> and so they do the whole thing where he's going to rule Eriko, and it's like, we got to go away. And then they go back and they try to resurrect all the dead mutants that died there. But as we know, if you die there, things go wrong. And so Forearm has six arms now. And Silver Samurai, Solar, and Beast, who also goes to help them and dies, comes back. Beast looks like this now. Now that looks awfully familiar, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it looks a little bit like a dark beast. And they're like, wow, that's weird. Cerebro can't read these people's heads anymore. Oh, well. And Beast is like plotting something dark. It can tell. So it was fun. It was Ten of Swords. It was ridiculous. And I loved it. So, hooray. Um, All right. Next up, actual Krakoma books. (laughs) Legion of X4. Uh, This book. uh, Yeah, I love it. Written by Sy Spurrier, art by Jean Bazadua, color by Federico Bli, and letter by Clayton Cowles. Can we just talk about how Nightcrawler fucked his way through this entire issue? Dude, the dude was banging. <laughs> the tail bit? Oh my god, like, it was, was like, oh, oh, fuck, dude. I was like, holy shit, dude. Like, um, but yeah, there's a lot of reveals in this one, including who the god is. He's not just one god, he's all gods. <laughs> we'll leave it at that as a spoiler. Uh, but yeah, it was really, really cool. Uh, we didn't get any Banshee. No. And I'm very curious because a Banshee with Ghost Rider powers is very terrifying. So, um, 
we also get a bit more with Juggernaut, and Charles is such a prick. Dude. Um, like, what a dick. And yeah, it was really good. I really enjoyed it. We get a lot more development of what's happening here. And um, we get to find out who is behind it all. And of course, it was Aura Serrata, the eye who sucks anyways. So, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I thought it was a really cool story. I, I like what it's doing. I like Switch getting out and doing all these pr- pranks. I like when he jumped into Xavier and shaved his eyebrow off. That oh was my god, funny. yes. That's good stuff. Um, yeah, I, th- I thought it was really cool. Um, also, I really like the info page with <laughs> Professor X writing a letter to Nightcrawler and Nightcrawler's response basically being like, fuck off. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I really like that. So, really cool. I enjoyed it. What'd you think? Uh, it was fun. I mean, after... Five issues of Way of X and three issues into Legion of X. Like we said, I didn't know how I expect such a horny, horny book <laughs> to progress yeah. the story. <laughs> yeah, it was it was I awesome. Like it. I, I like how it's literally like he's like, "You want to go again?" She's like, two would be excessive, don't you think?" And then like later on, she's like a fourth time. Four. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> "I was like, my boy, get it, Kurt." <laughs> yes. All right, that brings us to our next two books, who tie directly into Judgment Day. And we're going to review them in the order that the reading list says. Immortal X-Men number five. Yes. Um, written by Kieran Gillen. Art by Michelle Bandini. Colored by David Carroll. And letter by Clayton Cowles. This takes place during Judgment Day one. Mm-hmm. And this is the Exodus book. It is the book of Exodus, if you will. Um, and Holy fuck. I love Exodus. What a character. It's so cool. I like the the religious fanaticism of him, but how he's grown as a person and yeah. like how he's just needed someone to believe in, everything going on with hope. It's just so cool. And I love the whole I'm a knight. Like and and the whole thing with the Unimind, how they defended against the Unimind, I thought was really dope as well. Like this was just really well told. I love that each book is kind of focusing on a different member of the council who like have, have needed like a brush up or something, or at least like some sort of just like, Hey, they're, they're part of the council, but like you just get their opinion for like three panels. Maybe yeah. I do like, I do like these focus as well, especially someone like Exodus. Yeah. Really underrated character. One of the standout characters of the age of apocalypse. That's when a lot of people really started paying attention to that character. Mm. Um, Cause he was like a full on X-Man. And that was just so cool because Magneto led the X-Men at the time. So he follows Magneto, you know, so really dope. I really enjoyed it. Um, and tying into Judgment Day, which we're going to talk about a little bit more with the next book. But yeah, really great. I really enjoyed it. Anything else you want to add? I just, I, I just love how much of a, <laughs> how much he just loves hope. I just, it's like, it's, I've, I retweeted a, someone making fun of Exodus with a, a, real, a real housewife's clip. <laughs> I saw it. <laughs> good. And yeah. the, but, but, but I mean, come on, like I, we're, we're making fun of him, but holy shit, his Falcon punch for the cliffhanger was awesome as hell. Yeah, it was dope as fuck. <laughs> yeah, I loved it. All right, that brings us to our final book of the week, X-Men Red. Oh, the one I've been waiting five. for. I know. It's the first book host we read. Because yeah. I had to know. Yep. Writ- written by Al Ewing, art by Stefano Caselli, color by Federico Bli, and letter by Aaron Amir. So much fucking happened. <laughs> um. Yeah. Basically, we get we get to see what happened on Erico when this all went down. Mm-hmm. And the first thing is is Iska betrays everybody. Yep. Now here's my question. And I think this might be really cool. 
What if Iska can't control? Like, if the other side is going to win, what if she can't fight it? What if she has to join the other side? Right, because like it's not like Yurinos showed up, started fucking shit around, and being like, oh, I'm just going to fence hop. Like, they're all strategizing, and it's not like she can plan it and then figure it out. It just happens. Yeah, what if her powers, like, literally forces her to switch sides? That's actually kind of like a liability. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. You think that that added more to, like, why she got pissed at uh, Roberto? Yeah, I think so. I, that's that's all just a theory on my end. You know, obviously, I'm not sure. So, but we get to see basically a lot more of Erico, and then we get um, we get the attack, and I Uranus wrecks shit. Um, I like that Nightcrawler teleported Iska out immediately because he realized if she was on the other side, she needed to not be there. She was going to be at everyone else. <laughs> Well, yeah, her power would cause them to lose no matter what. So mm-hmm. he had to get her the fuck out. So I thought it was really cool. It was really good. And he's just wrecking people. Uranus is just wrecking people back and forth. And the first time that I was like, oh, no, this guy's really a problem, isn't he? Is when Legion steps up. Yeah. Yeah. Quote, maybe the most powerful being to exist. And for he's gone for 20 30 seconds it was 621 to 656 so he's gone for 35 seconds mm-hmm. and it just says david haller is gone so sure it's and an so off-panel like, kill but then with the same text in a little bit with someone else who's very much on panel kill it's just like is that the confirmation i think he banished him or something. Mm-hmm. He did something else, I think. And then the rest of them are fighting. Uh, Magneto and works together with uh, Lotus Logos to give him Mutant circuits. metal. Mutant circuits are great. Start throwing metal at him. Um, it's going good so far. And then uh, Uranus is like, oh, wow, you're pretty good. Fuck you. And then he punches Magneto's heart out. Yeah. Just punches straight through his chest. Magneto falls. That's the other thing. Magneto falls versus Legion is gone. I think there's like, another, I was, uh, the wording. I think someone else. Yeah. Was, I think there's someone else. Yeah. Um, uh, Cable basically gets wrecked as well. Um, we know in space Nova's fighting. We have Xylo who unleashes like the insects and stuff. I thought that was really cool. Um, but yeah, everybody's losing, basically. I love that Abigail Brand tried to run away to avoid the resurrection protocols. She fails. Yeah. And then we get an ominous moment. Oh, fuck yeah. Which you and me have been waiting for something to happen. It's mm-hmm. like, you know that Simpsons joke of when there's the ninja fight in the front yard and there's the one guy in the white suit not doing anything? <laughs> yeah. And and Homer's like, but he hasn't done anything yet. And when he does, it's going to be the coolest thing. And then he misses it. <laughs> On the dark side of the planet, the Fisher King feels the winds change. It is time. Night has fallen. That's all we get. Fuck. Fuck you. I need to know. <laughs> so, yeah, basically, Uranus wrecks 98% of all life within a 50-mile radius of him. Um, and we do find out that Lotus did survive, that um, that the, the 
bug dude kept him alive, kept him hidden. But he's not the only one that survived. Somehow, some way, our boy Magneto survived with a gaping hole in his chest that is glowing. <laughs> I, the hour of Magneto begins is what it says right there. <laughs> this crossover is fucking nuts, and I love it. I, it's going to be insane. I cannot wait for the X Men to hit back because that's got to be the next step. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Oh, totally. I'm I'm wondering if once we do get to clap back and maybe we have an oopsie and an eternal dies. What if one of the Avengers goes down for the machine and that's how the secret comes out from their side? Because obviously the secret's out for the mutants, but they haven't said how the Eternals work their ma- their machine. Wonder if it'll be apparent on like because it's random, can be just as random for the Avengers. I think Icarus and Cersei might share that detail. Okay, if they ever make I it, mean, out. I mean they have Cersei. It seem, I'm thinking that that part of the Eternals, that half of the Eternals, is going to be on the Avengers side. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be the you know the rest of the Eternals that are really working with him. So I don't know, but we'll see. It's it's very interesting. I'm very curious, and it's like. Ah. Like I, I'm glad that, I'm glad that so for far. I'm glad that for two issues we just expanded the first part. Like it's in, instead of just like yeah, an issue one with the giant size, but there was still some stuff that had that had to be left out. I'm glad that we yeah. got these three issues to really tell a good start. Because yeah, it, we ha- it took us everywhere. Okay. Like Judgment Day was like it happened here, it happened in Mars, but we didn't get enough shit happening in Mars. So I, I, I like I said, I, I like how we're taking our time here in the beginning. Yeah, and. We barely got a view of Erico, of what happened in Erico. Right. Um, so there was a lot of speculation, and we had to wait a week to find out. And that was <laughs> brilliant of them, because we were just like, what happened? So, yeah. That's our final book. Yep. Uh, Josue, what else have you been reading? I read The Next 25 for Lower Olympus, made it to the big 100, and uh, I love it. I love it so much. So it's just so delightful, and it's like, oh my god. Court hooked up with Aries all those times ago. <laughs> that's where I'm at. It's like a little backstory of like her and Aries. Like they probably had like a little makeout session. That's it. But we'll see what happens. Nice. Um, after that, continuing my Hulk book run deep dive. It was um, the passing of the baton from Mark Wade to Jerry Dugan. And oh man, this is actually really fucking cool. I, I'm really actually liking like the these Hulk runs I've been reading. So the first part was Mark obviously Mark Wade's run and it's god they lobotomized hulk and obviously he got attacked so they couldn't do it all the way and he hulked out midway of like carving out his brain that it left bruce kind of degraded his brain to just being kind of simple and just living out this like farm life but Tony felt guilty, and he gave he basically pumped his brain with the ex, uh, extremist uh, uh, project. But at this point, we're also like late twenty, late two thousands or twenty, no, twenty tens of uh, of Iron Man back when, or back when he met his brother Arno, and he had the extremist two point Um. So before we get to that, uh, it kind of cut it cuts from that arc into the original Sin tie in. And it was kind of like a Hulk versus Iron Man run. And you get some truth bombs here where it kind of, at first it leads off to like 
did Tony fuck with the gamma bomb and did he create Hulk? And it was, it, it strongly leaves that way. And I'm kind of like, oh shit, that'd be, that would be kind of cool. But at the same time, you're kind of taking away from Bruce Banner's like history there. Um, turns out there, it does get deep. Turns out that he did fuck with the gamma bomb, but at the same time, it was because, uh, Bruce, Bruce's initial gamma bomb ha- was like, well, it was shielded well. He wanted to reduce the, the explosion. So, and then in the end, it was, it also kind of helps out the earth. And obviously, Thunderbolt, as soon as Thunderbolt, uh, Ross heard that it was, it was, the bomb was being held back. That's when, that's when Tony steps, steps in, steps in and w- was going to fuck with it. Tony realizes that because it was over shielded, it was actually going to create a bigger fucking boom. It was actually, it could have wiped out everyone. And it was like the, like the blast radius would have gone to like the observers. So that's kind of the only thing that he fucked with. Um, and that's that, and that's and that's the and that's the truth that he gave to Bruce Banner or to to Hulk in that case because Hulk was really really gonna kill him because like it was all his fault. Um, but then he was like, "Oh shit!" Like I I'm sorry, but for all those times, whatever. And so they they bury, they bury the hatchet. Only Tony didn't tell him the whole truth. Um, what really did happen was yeah, he did tell him about the overshielding thing, but it was also. Tony had figured out. T- Tony also saw that because he had he was gonna leave him a, a voicemail. He, he did leave him, like he left him an email. I'd be like, "Hey, dude, like, so this happened, and I was fucking with it, and I'm." Then truth be told, I was, I was jealous, jealous about your gamma theory, and then when I was looking at it, the energy was kind of wrong, or that there's something in your theory that there's like a, a metamorpho metamorphogenic in in the in the theory or in in, in the tech. So he he, he basically warned him that there could have been something transformative in the gamma bomb in the gamma theory that, that he put it in the bomb. So when Bruce got the email, he thought it was just going to be one glow email. So he deleted it instead. So that, that that's the last truth that he didn't tell Bruce was that, cause it would, he would basically, he, he, it would kill him knowing that the whole story could have been avoided. Had he just read one fucking email and it's just like, oh, <laughs> it just sucks because it's like so. So it's, so it's cool that Bruce still retained like his his history, but I, I like that Tony was still kind of a part of it. Or at least like he did solve something and he did try to help, even though there, it was during the times when he was a colossal asshole. Um, so then it then it jumps into the Jerry Dugan run, and I can't believe I didn't think about this. I I wondered how this happened all those years ago when I would when I read that run. I didn't. I didn't anticipate it coming to here, because um, during those two um, Iron Man, th- those last eight issues with uh, him and Iron Man, and him doping up on on the extremists, and he like kind of like did it twice as the Hulk. So the whole Jerry Dugan run is a, again a, just a straight up Hulk book, but he wouldn't like being called that. This is the Doc Green book. When like right, pretty much like the lead up into um, Secret Wars, like because he was part of the Illuminati back then, but I didn't I didn't know how that happened. It was Jerry Dugan's run, and in this whole arc is the the Omega Hulk run, and he's basically because he's now the smartest one there is. Um, he's he's gonna wipe out the whole world from gamma weapons. He's literally curing everyone. He starts with a bomb. Um, eventually he goes to, like the the gamma the gamma core. Uh, he cures the Red Leader. He cures pretty much fuck. Uh, he cures Betty. 
uh, and eventually, obviously, it leads uh, the climactic end is with with uh, with Ross and like a Hulk, a Hulk versus Hulk run, uh, fight, and yeah, it, it it ends, and then and it ends with like the 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 weird cliffhanger leading into Secret Wars, but there was still some open ended stuff that didn't get closed off with like um, Project Omega or Gammon in, in that case, like that leads off. It's basically Hulk's AI system that does that is because at the end of Jerry's run. The extremist isn't holding out. Um, basically, the 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 thing. There's a part where there's a crossover with the X Men, and he asks he asks Kitty to um, go through the go through his brain to fish out the little growing tumor that the extremist has been like building uh, to pop it out, and it's actually pretty fucking dope. But anyway, but after so long, the extremist is uh, degrading, and he's eventually going to turn back into Hulk status. But meanwhile, his AI is very much now like he's still kind of part of the mission of like wanting to take over but that part got open-ended maybe maybe we'll come back to it in ewing's immortal but that's kind of like my next step that will be my next step nice awesome uh i finished the sandman yes i read dream hunters i read nocturne or not nocturne what's overture um overture thank you i've read both i'm fully caught up on the on that run of sandman dude Just cat morpheus in yeah, overture <laughs> He's great. Um, it's fantastic. I loved it, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the only other thing is I finished the audio book for The Color of Magic, the first Terry Pratchett book, and I've started the second one, which is called The Light Fantastic. So I really like the new recording. I think it's very good. The reader's very good. I like the voices. I think it's done really well. Yeah, it's just I'm just enjoying my Terry Pratchett, basically. Nice. That's pretty much it, honestly. I haven't had much time to read because I am dog-sitting. So. Um, but yeah, is that anything else you want to go before we go? Uh, no, just been a lot of reading. <laughs> yeah. Well, those are the issues that we had this week. Make sure to check us out on Twitter. You can find me at WHI Podcast Keith. You can find our producer Liz at WHI Podcast Liz. You can find Hosway at Hosway Reads Hosway. You can find this show at WHI Podcast on Twitter. And you can find our other show, Jukebox Vertigo, at Jukebox Vertigo on Twitter. That is our musical show, where we build a randomized uh, category-determined playlist every other week with our friends. The next episode, which will come out Monday, is Workout Mix, where the two of us and our good buddy Manda put together a mix of songs based on what we like to work out to. So make sure to check that out. That'll come out on Monday morning, everywhere you can listen to podcasts. And again, you can follow the Twitter at Jukebox Vertigo. And then finally, make sure to check out Hostway on Twitch at Hostway Plays Hostway. When that jukebox episode does hit, later that evening, around 7 p.m., he's going to host a listening party where we're going to listen to all the songs that were selected and play some games. Uh, so make sure to check it out. Once again, Hostway Plays Hostway. And a final reminder, please check out our friend Justin's Kickstarter. It looks great. I wanted to get funded. And he already passed 2500 His goal is 7000 so he's doing pretty good, considering it's only been up for three days. So make sure to check it out once again at Emo Comic Writer uh, for our buddy Justin. Other than that, those are the issues that we had this week. Make sure to check us out on Twitter, as I said. Don't forget to backboard and box your new treasures, and we'll see you next week with a new batch of beautiful books. Stay safe.